Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date Star Trek. I have ants. Still? Yeah. I made a second mistake, by which I mean I spilled a tiny amount of cat food water on Friday night and didn't see it, couldn't tell in the light that I had spilled cat food water, and the next morning there were a bunch of ants eating cat food. They're Uh, into anything, dude. They'll just eat any any old thing that you can find. They sure will. So I have changed tactics a little bit since last week. I am now aggressively poisoning them. All right. The kind that's in a baited trap that the cat can't get into. Uh, I'm not sure that's aggressively poisoning them then. I think that's just... All right, fine. I'm passive aggressively poisoning (laughs) them. Yeah, exactly. But we should get on with it because it is a Star Trek week, as you were trying to say. And also, I only have enough disk space to record another 1,469 hours, so... Nope. We better just get it's, on it. We got a lot to cover. All right. Well, as always, it seems we watched an Enterprise first because it finished badly last week. That's right. This is uh, week thirty-seven. Yeah, and we watched the Catwalk. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that was impressive. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't find the original I couldn't get, so I hope you enjoy that Vietnamese cover. <laughs> I did enjoy it very much. Uh, Archer and Trip are planning an excursion to a lush but uninhabited planet when they're hailed by an alien ship uh, who warps in suddenly and warns them that a neutronic wave front is en route, and that they're gonna gotta they're gonna go to have to go to warp seven immediately to outrun it. Uh, let me but, interrupt um, you already, just because yeah. I like that they are continuing the trend of only sending trip to uninhabited planets. <laughs> they're like, yeah, it's uninhabited sure. trip. You can go. It's safe to send you down there. You can't fuck nobody. That's right. All right, so they got to go to warp seven. So they're gonna have to go to warp seven. Of course, uh, Enterprise can only make warp five because Archer's dad wasn't that good. So they're going to have to come up with another solution. And they have uh, have about four hours to prepare. They think they can make the ship sturdy enough to survive this storm, but uh, it's also highly radioactive. Mm. Uh, So the crew can't do that, except there's this one catwalk. I guess there are two of them, but we really focus on the one. Right. There's this one catwalk in the nacelle, and the nacelles are pretty highly shielded. And so if they can pack everybody in to this long, narrow space, all 83 people that'll be on board, including these three aliens, right? Uh, then they can ride out this storm in there. So this is going to be like a bottle episode then, right? Yeah, they're going to bottle this shit all up. Okay. We're going uh, to focus on to like the... a lot of interpersonal stuff. We're going to learn a lot about the people. 
Right, yeah, that's what's going to happen. Okay. Everyone's going to learn about each other. Uh, they're going to have to take the warp reactor offline because it's like three uh, 300 degrees in there. So, uh, you know, whatever. They're not going to be using it. Okay. They take it offline. Um, as they uh, load on in, uh, they make a makeshift bridge, a makeshift toilet. They start loading people in. Um, we get the prediction that they're going to be uh, stuck in this thing for eight days. Oof. We we also learned that uh, these three alien visitors who claim to be stellar cartographers mm-hmm. are, of course, lying about their identity. Oh, great. Do we so, as the audience learn that or does uh, Starfleet learn about that? Uh, just us. Oh, just us, cool. though. Okay. Just us. Starfleet keeps... Uh, Starfleet doesn't care that they're cartographers, really, but... Uh, they know they're foreign. <laughs> You know their food smells weird, right? Yeah, they're baking up like some uh, some French fries, or so. I don't know what they were making. Yeah. So uh, now it is the storm. Okay. And Archer is touring the catwalk and discussing how the aliens are unfriendly and they smell bad and they're probably lazy. Uh, yep. He says um, he gets like halfway through the word lazy and then he catches himself. I think. Right. Uh, we learned that Reed uh, has a motion sickness issue okay. or some kind of vertigo. He's got a lot of uh, issues. Didn't we learn in that other one he's he he's got fear of space or something? He's got space fear. Yeah, that's right. He's got he gets the space crazies. He's not friendly. His favorite food is pineapple, etc. Or was it that we he know, was we're afraid starting of to know water, a lot about this and guy? That's why he couldn't be oh, in the right. navy. He's afraid of water, and that's why he went to space. All right, he's, yeah, he's got whatever. a lot of problems. He's had a few. He's had a few Chardonnays. What of it? Uh, Archer goes back to the bridge and makes uh, sex noises while he watches water polo. Yeah. So we're really doing a lot of character work. Uh, he and T'Pol are kind of getting on each other's nerves, even though it's like day one. And uh, then, sure enough, we see the rest of the crew, and they're kind of on each other's shit. Right. So, you know, uh, it's, it's a, a little character study here. Archer tells T'Pol that uh, she uh, she needs to fraternize with the crew. She needs to get to know these people. Sure. Um. Oh, also the uh, the matter and antimatter injectors suddenly come online, and uh, Trip has to go out in a in a spacesuit to survive the radiation in the rest of the ship to see what's up. And it turns out there's a whole bunch of these aliens, and they're taking over the ship. Oh no! Oh, so we're boy. gonna do another Die Hard, guys. It's Good. gonna be another Die Hard. Is Trip in his underpants? No, right. we don't get to see Trip's underpants. Okay, we don't get to see any. There's nothing sexy in this episode. Good, thank God. I mean, unless you count that unnamed uh, crewman doing a crossword puzzle. Uh, yeah. She she was pretty hot, right? The brain is the... It's, I, it's, it's, what's sexier than not being able to remember the name of the first Vulcan ambassador to Earth? Hold on, I got this. Um, it's um, Solcar. Solcar. I didn't even write it down. Oof. Um, all right, so... All right, die hard. Uh, th- this is where I have to say I thought it was going to be worse. I thought Trip was just going to stay down there and fight these idiots. Uh, but instead, he goes back up and tells people what he saw down there, okay. and so they get to question the uh, the three aliens that are still up there. Turns out they're um, they're deserters from this militia, mm-hmm. and uh, 
this particular commander, but maybe the whole militia uh, is uh, pretty shitty and they take over foreign spaceships on any flimsy premise right? or pretense. And that they may have used storms like this in the past because, by the way, these aliens uh, have a plot immunity to the radiation. So nice. they don't have to wear spacesuits or whatever. They could just... They could just run around the ship freely. That's good writing. I can, I can imagine the writers in the room. Yeah. One of them goes, yeah, but like, the radiation, though. And then they think about it, and one of the guys goes, ah, they're immune. And it is then, pretty hack for an alien race to suddenly have a weird biological characteristic <laughs> for no for no other reason than to, it's uh, to confuse the main plot. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That certainly won't come up again this week. <laughs> um, so... Uh, Trips got his exposure. He has his radiation exposure, so he can't go back out. So he doesn't get to do the Die Hard this time. Uh, but since the engines are back on, the whole thing's on a timer. Uh, the spacesuits can only protect you for about 20 minutes. Also, in 20 minutes, it's going to be too hot to live in that catwalk. Interesting coincidence. So they can't send people out in like multiple sorties. They so get one shot at this It'll thing. take about 20 minutes. It's, so it's going to take about a 20 minutes. Okay. So, Archer and Reed and T-Pole sortie out in their three EV suits. Um, Reed and, and T-Pole are going to take the engines offline. Archer, he does a little one-act one play mm-hmm. where he calls up the captain of, the, of this militia. And he's acting like he's near death. And he tells him he's the last member of the crew. But he's going to blow up this ship before they get him. And this guy who has been like reading the crew's files is like, I know about your daddy and I know about the Vulcans. Yep. And I know you've got know about water straight polo. up emotional problems. I know all about your dog. I know your dog. I've, <laughs> I've actually met your dog. I know when your dog eats cheese, he gets gassy. <laughs> and I know. And I've left all, cheese all over the ship. And you'll never blow up the ship. Anyway, Travis, is, meanwhile, starts to steer it towards a big eddy in this storm. That I guess is going to blow up the ship. Uh, And so, in the end... I mean, what do you want me to say? The (laughs) T-Ball gets the engine shut off. These guys are like, well, I guess he's really going to blow, crash the dang ship into this thing. And they fuck off? And they fuck off in their ship. Okay. And um, T-Ball goes to the movies. Yeah. Yeah, in the end. And and then everyone goes back to their cabins, and it's... um, well, Nice Boy Mayweather finds a way to, to cut some time off their journey, so they don't even... Oh, yeah, they don't have to spend all eight days in there. Yeah. He cut, he cuts a cool six hours out of that thing or something. Yeah, so good for him. Um, so, boy. Matthew, mm. Matthew James, <laughs> what is uh, this dang episode about? Boom. What's it about? What's the ding-dang thing about? Pass. Can I pass? <sighs> okay. I well, have your, a, I have, your premise can be passed. What's the score? <laughs> I have a big fat question mark on this. Because I, I thought I was going to get back to this later. I was going to think on it. And I was going to get back to it with a take that's at least worth a point. But I couldn't. Sometimes I have, sometimes I have to do that. I, sometimes I have to sleep on it. I, I mean, I do all the time. I really hate giving out a zero. Because even if it's... Oh, especially because you gave one last week for Cat's Paw. Yeah, even if they just do like a really bad job. It's, I can come up with a one or a two, even if it's not what they meant. Something you can take away. It's a zero. It's a no-take. It's a big, fat no-take. That's very rough. That's I, very rough to have to do. I'm starting to get sick of watching Enterprise first, by the way. I'm going to have to come up with a new order. You're going to have to... 
<laughs> now because it's like the first stumbling block. It's like, all right, I got to watch these Star Treks. And then I go, ah, oh, shit. Oh, no. Enterprise oh, I'm going to have first. to watch next week. It's going to be Dawn. I'm going to have to watch Dawn. So it's like Enterprise last wasn't working so good because I was worn out on Star Trek by the time I got to it. Enterprise first isn't much better. Anyway, what did you, what did you come up with? Did you get a take for this piece of shit? Oh, there's no take. Okay. There's no take. All right. So, I, I, and I've been trying to turn this thing over in my head for about 24 hours now, and it's like, the only the only thing that comes up early in the episode, and again, late in the episode at all, is that Archer thinks T'Pol needs to fraternize with the crew more. Oh boy, that is a, yep, and he, I mean, they do say and, that. And boy, sure enough, in the end, she... She goes to the movies, and then then when they're walking away, he's like, see, I told you, you gotta get to know this crew. It's really hard when um, 3% of the episode is about that. But it's, but, (laughs) uh, but it's like, but, um, yeah, but, uh, Uh. she, it's not, it's not part of the episode is the trouble with it. Yeah. The episode is not about how she doesn't know the crew or how she gets to know the crew because of this. Like, she doesn't even go into the fucking catwalk. Yeah. So she doesn't get to know the crew. And by the way, at the uh, end, her she's... ability to shut the engines down has nothing to do with what she knows about the crew. At the end, she nothing is that anyone better. does has anything to do with it. She is better at fraternizing, but we do not see the journey that gets her there. She's no, just we don't. like uh, at the end, she's like telling everyone what's going on in the movie, and then you're yeah, like, she goes oh, to the okay. movie, and then uh, Trip's like, you know, we do this every week, yeah. and then it's like, all right. So I guess she learned a lesson. But we didn't see it. <laughs> but she didn't have to do anything to learn the lesson. She just had a one-on-one with her boss, and he told her to fraternize with the crew a little more, and she did it one time. That's like when my boss told me I had to keep my office door open to be a better example. And I did it once. Right, right. exactly. <laughs> and I closed my door after that. Yeah, it's like, uh, I did the thing that you said I should do, and I, but I, I don't care about it, so I'm not doing it again. Uh... This is the story for this episode, is that nothing pays off or matters. Yes. Uh-huh. <clears throat> the aliens are sinister-seeming, but in the end, they turn out to be kind of the good guys. Yeah, They're those, just on the run, and they didn't want to talk about it for obvious three reasons. Three guys are liars, and Archer does look like he's going to throw up when he says they're deserters. Oh, yeah. He hates that. Well, this is not Picard's Enterprise. This is still the military. Yeah, this is a military organization for sure. Right. You have to imagine that no one is going to be real excited about talking to a bunch of deserters, even if they're deserters from the enemy. Yep. And they're, they've made their choices, and if the bitter taste of them is <laughs> unpalatable, I'm very sorry. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, oh god, oh I can't wait. <laughs> we're getting oh. close, dude. We're not that far. We're we're, we're, we're like within twenty episodes two. of that now. We're closing on it. <sighs> Um, was that execution too? Did like, you want to go into? Yeah, execution? yeah. So I'm, I'm I'm just swinging into execution. You know my score. It's you know zero I, you I don't award points zero, on a no take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, oh, like okay. So in Act One, Reed is motion sick. Hmm. In Act Three, Reed has to like run out. He has to wear a spacesuit and like go out into the dangerous part of the ship. Sure. But, and it's like, you know, they specifically mentioned that he got motion sick in zero G, but it's, but it's like gravity doesn't go out. That Yeah. It just doesn't come up. It doesn't come up at all. His motion sickness doesn't mean anything. It's just a little throwaway scene in there. Yep. J- just like, n- it's like, they feel like Travis had to live, Travis had to live down in the core of the ship 
his cargo ship for six weeks the last time they went through one of these storms and they lost power and life support and it was real scary but d- don't don't worry none of that happens this time nothing happens it's not yeah he's not affected by that having happened it's like they feel T-Ball, like like t-ball tells a little lie about what happened to a vulcan ship that encountered one of these storms because she doesn't want the crew to get like nervous about it or whatever done doesn't matter nothing happens it doesn't it has no effect on the story yeah it's like nothing that happens in the first half matters in the second half at all it's just all of a sudden there are aliens there and then they just have to outwit these fucking aliens right and they have every advantage because the aliens don't know they're there and they have already reroded all control of the ship to their location yeah they got the makeshift bridge the aliens have no control over anything. They've managed to restart the warp engine, and that's it by the time they have to leave. Right. So, um, I don't think this would have scored a lot of points if it had had a take that it executed, frankly. It's... The big problem... Another big problem for this episode is that this dumb Starship Mind takeover plot is probably less interesting than if they had just committed to the bottle episode yes. and never left the catwalk this and the characters had actually gotten to know each other or learned some continued stuff. to get on their nerves, on each other's nerves, or had just gone through this together. Mm-hmm. Probably a more interesting show, assuming that it was competently done. Yep. This is a garbage show. This is a real shitty show. Yep. Yeah. At both Enterprise specifically and this episode. I'd say this is very representative of Enterprise. Yeah. It sets up a potential... Like, there's a potential something. When we've seen two characters in a fucking bottle episode previously, it has generally worked. Mm-hmm. Like, Trip and Reed in the shuttle. Not the best episode of television ever. But it kind of worked for Enterprise. Yeah. Uh, this is nothing. I agree. Um, what did you think of the execution? Well, just to, uh, what you were saying, they seem to think that, at least in this case, that like character work is just listing things about people, oh, but yeah. not having them go on any kind of journey. It's just yep. like, here's a fact about them. Right, now we know more about them, and that's that's good work that we did. Um, and they, as always, they fall back on a on a, some kind of commando shootout thing in the end, which is what they do every episode. Um the suspicious guys, like you said, turn into lying guys, turn into misunderstood guys, turn into nothing. Yep. The writers never decided to go anywhere with that part of the plot. Um, no, and by the way, in the end, they just fucking leave. Yep, they're just out of there. Uh, the fraternization, close quarters, claustrophobia, low morale possibilities never realized. Um, they eschewed all of that in favor of, I know this is a shock, a shootout with random aliens bent on stealing their ship. So, um, it's a one. It's a hard, it's a big fat one in terms of execution. Just not good. And after last week, why did this show make it as many seasons? What, four seasons? It's a That's very, too many it's seasons. a, halfway through the second season, it's very tough to tell why they kept making these. Ugh. Ben had a two and a two, by the way. Yep, and he always gives them credit for what I think... Like, he, he'll he generally go along with what they're trying to make the show about as his take. And in this case, he did again, which is like, you don't really know someone. Yep. And then he makes a cum joke. Right. Yeah, Jim um, Full of Semen. Yeah. Uh, which he says is weak. It's so weak, it's not even what it's about. Yeah, again, it's the trouble. There, there are things they could have done, and they didn't do them. 
does. They wanted a shootout uh, instead. And by the way, he, when they had about 20 minutes, right? It's going to take about 20 minutes. That's how long yeah. that last scene felt. Oh, yeah. It felt and like by the way, I think there were 20. only about 10 minutes left in the show at that time. So they knew that we're doing some time compression, but it's up. Uh, he brings up a couple of interesting questions. If they're hiding from radiation, won't they just be irradiated by the particles absorbed into the metal of the Enterprise when they come back out? Uh, probably the metal would just re-emit uh, either alpha or beta particles, which are uh, not anything in the space future. It's only this weird radiation that's bad for them. Right. Why put all 83 in the same nacelle catwalk? What if one is damaged but the other survives? Split the crew, maybe? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That would have been much smarter. And maybe it has to do with the four-hour prep time. I don't know. But I'm sure the four-hour prep time is part of it. But, like... That's why they explain they don't have showers. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> Which, by the way, gross. Are they just standing there while that storm gets hella close? Yeah, not only that, but the storm is supposed to be moving at warp speed, so... I know, and just Archer's the, just looking it, out the window It's a it. real shitty scene where he's just standing there out the window looking at it slowly get closer, and then he's like, it's, like, ah, it's time to move. Slow. It's like, mm, would you be able to see a storm that was coming at warp speed is a question that I have. It would have to be just so ginormous, right? The episode construction is poor. We don't know too much about the adversaries. He's all over it. It doesn't do anything to close up. It just says we're safe now, and Archer's taking his shit back to the cabin. Yeah, yeah no. Uh, it's, this is a real diaper of an episode, but Ben still gave it uh, four times as many points as you and I combined <laughs> in the top half. Well, you have very hard and fast rules about execution. Yeah. I I try to say there's a couple of things here. There is, did you execute on the premise? Which I think is the main part of execution. But there's also, in general, did you do anything in here? Was anything done? Did you do a look, thing? I'm, and, look, I mean, uh, I, yeah, I get it. No, I get it for sure. But it's, it's like, otherwise, the difference between a one-point take and a no-take is only one point. Yeah. And a no-take is so criminal. I know, I know. To me, that... I must an extra punish penalty. it. Yeah. Yes, there must be a penalty for doing a no-take. And I don't give out very many. I, we have done 170 episodes of this project at this point. So many. And it's like, uh, we're pretty good at twisting up a take oh, yeah. out of something. Yeah. Out of pretty thin material. Like, there are. this is not a week of strong takes. Sometimes I get really energized by the take I've invented. Sometimes it yeah. makes me like an episode more. If I've worked my way around on something and I've gone, oh, I don't think they intended this at all, but check this out. But this one. Uh, we've, we'll make up a horseshit take. Yeah. When, we, when I spend 24 hours thinking, what was that about, though? Like, what's the takeaway? <laughs> yeah. And I've got dick? Yep. I had the exact same issue. Just couldn't. It can't be just like, well, I gave five, I gave three two point takes this week, but this one only gets zero points. Like that's not enough. That's true. You did, you did real bad. So that's, I, I also I've done it four or five times now, and I'm not going to go back and relitigate oh, sure. those episodes. Yeah. I still think that if you, if you legit, and I think I gave a zero point take once that wasn't a no take. It was just so bad. It was worth zero. Yes. Um. Uh, all right, well, and in that one, I think I gave a point for execution. Uh, but uh, all right, let's move on to world building. Let's get out of this I'm episode. A, I'm angry about this dumb <laughs> episode, uh, Matthew. World yeah, building, class five space storm thing. Um, certain parts of the ship have better protection from radiation. I guess uh, still got crossword puzzles in this point in the space future. Zero G training at a Starfleet. 
like at Starfleet, I guess they called the room the vomitorium. Is that an homage to the vomit comet? Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. And also, I guess in the future, the military <laughs> still doesn't know what a vomitorium is. Nope, <laughs> it's not a room that you vomit in, guys. But it has vomit in it. That's good enough. Yep. Uh, we already talked about Solcar. He was the first Vulcan ambassador to Earth, I guess. And yep. uh, these other aliens s- steal ships that get trapped in space storms. Um, it's two. It's it's less than a standard. It's two. Uh, I also gave it two points. Let me hit on a couple of things that you didn't talk Maybe about. Maybe I'll get talked up to three. Uh, there is such a thing as grav shear. Supposedly, I guess it's got to be like wind shear. Yep, that ain't it. Uh, 12 billion denobulans living on one continent. Damn. Uh, radiation that will kill everything on board, including all of Flox's animals, but not this one alien race. He needs to find... Maybe he should cage up one of those dudes. It'll kill those slugs, though, but not these guys. Yeah. Uh, no, I agree. Uh, this was two. Ben, however, was more generous. He gave it as many as four. Whoa! Hold on a second. The nacelles... Storms on the high seas of outer space are a thing. This is the ninth storm we've seen. Ninth ninth space storm we've seen or something so far. They've mostly been in TOS. You may remember that it's illegal to push the jettison pod button when you're at yellow alert if you're in an ion storm. I'll never forget. Uh, (laughs) I'll never forget. I'll be 100 years old. I'll remember that. Though it's unknown why they travel at warp speed or can't be gone around with enough warning. Uh, Agreed. That the... uh, Natural phenomenon that occur at warp speed but can interact with the regular world that's not at warp speed don't make any sense, but it's not worth digging into it because it's going to happen 400 times. Yep, those, that's one of those things we shouldn't talk about. Because it's like, is this a storm in subspace? Then it probably shouldn't matter if you're just sitting there. It doesn't matter. A lot Whatever. of things about the technology and... Warp speed just means really fast in Star Trek. Yes. And it's... <clears throat> It's not worth thinking about it any deeper because the writers do not treat it consistently at all. Yeah, so, I agree. Uh, the Federation technology with its first starship, mind you, is better than Vulcan ships that get tor- torn apart by storms. Ultraviolet toothbrushes, uh, unless it is possible that Hoshi was bleaching her teeth with that thing. Yeah. It didn't seem like it could possibly be brushing them. Because I think they got that already. Also, she was really working on the front teeth, particularly. Yeah. He kind of likes the spacesuits. The, the spacesuits are fine. I didn't I even no note them. I didn't yeah. have a reaction to them. Like all spacesuits on TV, they have lights inside the helmets, which would make it impossible to see. <laughs> You're like, oh, hold on, I, I can only see the lights. Like, oh, I can't, I, oh, no, can you just I turn off the only, lights, All I can though? see is the light reflecting on the inside of my own helmet. Uh, it's all fogged How- up, too. It's just, uh, it's really bad in here. However, that's not a Star Trek problem. No. That is a... That's, I don't know. I, one, I would like to find the, the first faces. person who did a TV that way yeah. and be like, you idiot. <laughs> Look what you did. Look at you. Uh, um, he also gives it a three for characterization. Hmm. However, uh, I gave it as many as four for characterization. Oh, boy. And this is mostly on the back of Trip not doing the stupidest possible thing and just reporting back with what he... Like, slipping away and reporting what he sees instead of trying to fight these doofuses. Yeah. Uh, and that... I understand that that is a real low bar to clear. But just not doing the stupidest possible thing. We're human, But from what know, we have seen of Trip, the, the, the mark moves around a little bit. He doesn't fuck anybody. He doesn't doesn't go commando and he doesn't fuck anybody and that's a good start 
Anyway, uh, I did a couple of other things. Uh, T'Pol recognizes that she's not good at fraternizing, but she doesn't seem... She's not, like, haughty and shitty about it. No, I get the feeling she's not great at taking criticism, but she doesn't just have a fit. Right. Uh, And uh, I, I do... I did like... Not as a good character trait, but because I so dislike the character of Archer, that his whiny baby past makes him vulnerable in this. I know. That even this fucking, this fucking rando, no-name villain who's been on the ship for an hour knows all about Archer's daddy issues just from reading his fucking logs. Because <laughs> everyone's like, oh, about it. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. This My guy, dad, read... who made the Warp 5 engine work in the first place. I've heard one week of logs from a random spot in this ship's mission, and I know all about this guy's issues with the Vulcans and his dad and how he's trying to live his dad's fucking dream because he didn't see that Dax episode from last week. (laughs) Actually, what he did was he put put his logs on shuffle, and he he (laughs) read like the first four or five logs and went, I got it. I'm good. I I know what I need to know. Yep. Uh, I thought it was a four in terms of characterization. It actually wasn't that bad. I, I and you can tell because I wanted more characterization. Like, yeah. just stay in the catwalk and have these dumb characters interact. A lot of it's going to be bad, but I would rather have that. Yeah, I try to shoot for a five as an average, and I had this at a four based on potential. Based on in the first half of this episode, here's where we're going. There's going to be some stuff here. We're going to get some things going, and then it just it never ends up doing anything. But anyway, uh, Fox, uh, real sad to see. His animals left behind. He doesn't want to have to choose them. Um, so he's like, "Please don't, don't make me choose between my precious." My precious. He, uh, bear in mind, he can choose between two species of sentient life forms. Oh, without even a problem, he'll a just planet. wipe one out entirely. In fact, he's got strong opinions, and he would like to be the one who makes the choice. Mm-hmm. But his lab animals, he just. But, but you between know what? a between a slug and a bat, he's. I think we have all met people like that who care much more about their pet than they necessarily do about, you know, humanity in general. Mexican children? Mexican children, perhaps. Perhaps the Mexicans. Um, T-Pole lied about that Vulcan ship surviving the storm a century ago to, uh, I guess, make Archer and company feel better. Uh, She's also got that Spock sarcasm going pretty strong these days. She makes some some pretty pithy remarks. Um, Yeah, well, she's going up against prime Spock this week. Spock gets some good licks in this episode, so. Uh, and in the end, for no apparent on-screen reason, she's better at fraternization. Um, Archer makes the rounds and chats with his poor cooped-up crew. There's some water polo. He and T-Pole have habits that bother each other, so it's hard being roomies. No, they just both make noises. They just, neither one of them likes noise. Yeah. For once, Archer... It should have been, like, Archer's picking his teeth or something, or... Well, she, we already know that humans smell bad to her, but that could have been part of it, but yeah. they didn't They didn't throw it in there. Well, he, I mean, he was making too much noise for watching, uh, fucking watching delayed a water, water polo? polo game on his phone. Yeah, like, what the hell, man? Uh, for once, he preaches um, tolerance and patience with these uh, these three suspicious aliens when Trip is fucking sick of them. Um, I bet if these aliens were Vulcans, he'd be singing a different tune, though. Oh, probably, yeah. 
true. And he wouldn't know that it was because of his daddy issues. Only every other person in the universe knows it. <laughs> I can't wait till we the next time we see a fucking Sulaban taking issues for, taking orders from that shadow, and the guy's like, "Now Archer's got daddy issues." <laughs> so this make is sure you play that up. to Archer. Uh, Trip missed a chance for an away mission, and it's bumming him out. Uh, like yeah. By the way, not clear why they can't go back to that planet and go whitewater rafting passes. or whatever. Why not? I guess you might infer from the fact that those other aliens thought their ship could go warp seven that these dudes might be a, uh, a technical match for Enterprise or better. Yeah. So maybe, so maybe don't away. hang around. It's a stay away. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, he doesn't go commando. Um, Reed is just a, such a whiny turd. Just really sick of him. All he does is complain the whole episode complains about having pot roast shut up oh yeah you know just shut up shut up and maybe die i guess would be good um so like did they did did his did his military parents like what did his dad not beat it into him like don't complain about what the cook makes i guess not and i guess when we were told he had no preference on food he's never heard our dad's moose turd pie story (laughs) apparently not yeah he doesn't have an old sea daddy what's happening here Exactly. His old sea daddy should have taught him not to complain about what the chef makes. By the way, this is the only appearance of chef. And we only see his legs or whatever. And we see um, his legs and his hands. So pretty and average. he's dressed in a white chef's outfit. It's so dumb. I know. Pretty average character work, but they don't do anything with it. They just they bring up some stuff, and then what could be a good bottle episode turns into a shootout. Um, so it's just a four from me. Yeah. Um, Want me to... Hit it quick. I guess I'm just looking at what uh, Ben actually said about characterization. He no. points out that Reed values pineapple cobbler because that's what he's betting. Well, you know he likes pineapple. Because we know he likes pineapple. That's a real great continuity on characters. Uh, let's give his one quick hitter. He says Hoshi means star in Japanese. Oh. Well, did that have come up in this episode? Did he look up what Sato means? I want to... What if that means something? What if it's fucker? Home or what? village, it appears to mean. Oh, what if because it's so fucker. So her home is the stars, or whatever. Um, it's not, though. She hates it out there. No, she's not into it. Mm, anyway. Yeah, you must have some quickies. Well, it's an Enterprise, so I only have a few. Um, It's actually about a catwalk on the ship, because what else could it be about? Yeah. What's up with this montage of everybody getting ready for their stay in the catwalk? Is it supposed to be, like, important? The music's all booming and triumphant. That's it. I figured it was like one of those quick crew quarters montages from Star Trek Six or something, you know? Yeah, but Star Trek Six was cool. Like, they were like, oh, this makes it seem like a real place. This makes this ship seem like it's real. Mm. Well, I think they failed. Uh, I, uh... Boy, are you done? Is that it? No, that was literally it. I, 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 okay, I always yeah. kind of... I can't help it. I kind of tune out a little bit. I was super bummed to see that the aliens were shifty. Yeah. Like, I was not into it at all. Uh, because that's how I knew it wasn't going to be a good episode. <laughs> yeah. That's how you knew uh, these, it wasn't these fucking guys, when Enterprise started. That, the chef, he had four hours. He didn't even put the cabbage away before he went into the catwalk just so they'd have something to shoot later. Mm. Just so some someone could put a squib in a cabbage. Yeah, what was he doing? Uh, this must oh, have been a... I know. Dude, he's like, I'm going to be in there with a million people for eight days. I'm going to rub it out like 11 times. <laughs> I just got to get it out of my system now. <laughs> it's going to smell real bad in there, and I'll probably be itchy from not showering or changing my uniform. This so. is my chance. 
This is uh, this is when I got to do it. Uh, this must have been a pretty expensive bottle episode since it uses like five new sets. Yeah. I don't know what they were doing, really. Like they couldn't have all been trapped in the mess hall? I just... I don't know. As we know, it didn't turn into a bottle episode anyway, so it's like, what the fuck? Uh, and I was predicting that it would be Chekhov's motion sickness, but obviously that didn't happen at all. Nope. I, I gave uh, Best Actor to this one to Trip. Okay. No one did any good work, and I gave Worst Actor to Travis. He, He's very bad. In a very rare episode where he gets to tell a story about his life in space prior to joining Starfleet, and... <clears throat> it, it's not good. It wasn't good at all. No. He's not a good actor. <sighs> okay. Well, we have four more to go. Yeah, sure. Uh, in fourth place last week was TOS. So uh, this week we watched I Mud. So good, it always makes me do a little shimmy. Um, let's just hit the beats here. Enterprise, <laughs> hijacked by an android. That's correct. The kind that McCoy doesn't like because he don't smile at him. And also the kind who's like, uh, not going to be cagey about it. Once he takes the ship over, he's like, look, look at, at my, my android circuitry. Guts. Everyone look at it. <laughs> uh, anyway, he takes them to uh, some dang old planet. And um, we call it Theta 8. That's different. That's a different planet in a different episode. And um, when they get to this planet and they they the senior staff gets taken down there, um, they run into Harry Mudd. You remember him. He was the one who was trafficking wives yeah, to the he's miners a sex trafficker. last season. Uh, they, expl- they have some banter, exchange some banter about how much they don't like each other or whatever. And then Harry Mudd informs them that they're going to be staying there forever and he's in charge of these dang old androids. That subterfuge lasts like 11 seconds because then he admits that they have him kept. He's the captive of uh, of the androids. But they call him <laughs> yeah, Lord and they true, wait on him. They do let him think that he's going to get to leave and he like packs his shit like he's going to leave on the Enterprise with these guys and then they're like, nah, fuck you though. Yeah, yeah, no, he's like, I'm king of these androids. I mean, I can't leave, but they totally wait on me and they call me Lord and then, uh, but I... I made 500 of them be the most attractive of all the twins we could find to be in this episode. And you know twins. So you... They're not great. So, but you know. <laughs> but don't judge them. there's 500 of them. Don't judge them. Huh? <laughs> And then Spock's like, that seems redundant. Why yeah, Why do you just... want 500 of the same one? And he's like, I'm a super pervert. <laughs> That's right. I don't know why I made him Mark Twain. <laughs> it's because I can't bear to do the actual Harry Mudd yeah. voice. I'm not going to say Laddie Buck. No one should. No one should say that. Anyway, he's uh, he's maneuvered it so that he's going to trade the Enterprise crew for his own freedom. He's like, hey, study these humans. These are the good specimens, the good, good kind, and then I can go back into the galaxy or whatever. But like you said, that's a... He like specifically says a starship captain. Like, it, like this is a big deal. Yeah. And 
that is how they have made this show seem so far. That Star, Starship Captain is like um, have you, the coolest have you ever heard you anybody? Be. Have you ever heard anybody in the real world be like, well, the captain of a destroyer? Yeah. Ooh. It does ooh. call back to a really... Ooh, this guy's the captain of a guided missile cruiser. He must be one of humanity's best. It calls, it's like, wait, what? It calls back to a different era, dude. There, there was a time when people like that were... When if you were the idolized. captain of a of a first rate yeah, ship, like, people were like, "That's a that, now that is a serious that's a real that's dude a right real there. dude, that dude like is, that dude was a dude in society. Like when he right. came back to shore, he'd have like properties and titles, and they'd be like, "This is like and a it's dude. like if He's if you dude. ran into a navy captain or a, an army colonel or something, you'd be like, "Oh, that guy's pretty good at being in the military. <laughs> He's good but at I military. Don't think, I don't think you'd be like." I bet that dude is one of the finest that humanity has no, to offer. It's a different time. Because let's be honest, wouldn't you kind of be like, that dude was pretty good, but he didn't have like better prospects in civilian life. No, he so. stayed in the military for a reason. Is my uh, guess. Um, maybe that's my ad- attitude from having known, from having been in the ROTC in high school, and from having seen which members of the ROTC proceeded into the military and which ones. Well. You Sorry, know, Ryan. I uh, know that this sounds. I realize now that this sounds not, bad. This but Ryan was an Ryan. enlisted man and worked for a living, yeah. so it's a little different. This is not aimed at Ryan. This is specifically aimed at one of the towns. Anyway, um, anyway. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, no. Okay. Is, so this does is, his name rhyme with Ryan? I don't. I couldn't tell you. Um, uh, so this is no. no but what okay, I mean what is, you're talking the, about is a volunteer it, in, military. In this, in, yes, and in, in, but in this society, uh, it is pretty clear that the starship captain is like. Right up at the top. And part of it is that we are never really told in any of the series what you do with your life if you're not in Starfleet. It's very not hard right. to figure out what everyone yeah, does. Cisco's dad has a restaurant. That's cool. They have replicators. How does anything He's work? He's a restaurateur. I don't understand how things work. Anyway. Uh, Picard's older brother makes wine. Yes, he does. <clears throat> Why? So. Anyway. When Data retires... In one alternate future, he becomes a professor at Cambridge. Yeah, and we know there's still Kent State. So Kent State also exists. But what I really mean is they never take us on any of those. That's true. We never get to see a civilian civilian life. In fact, there was a cut scene in uh, Measure of a Man where they were talking about what opportunities outside of Starfleet data might have or be interested in pursuing. That would have been great if we'd gotten to see it, but it. It was cut for time. Anyway, it was that was our best scoring episode ever, so I shouldn't complain about it <laughs> too much. Right. Wow. Yep, that was a good one. Um, all right. So, like you said, they pull a fucking switcheroo on him, and they're like, hey, actually, you're not going anywhere, bro. You're going to hang out with these Starfleet peeps. And uh, you're our prisoner now, but again, it's not because we're bad guys. What we're trying to do is save you from yourselves because you're a bunch of fucking idiots. So what we're going to do is we're going to rule all of you throughout the galaxy. Uh, these androids were in charge, and we're and here's our whole plan. Yeah. You're going to become dependent on us, and then you'll become useless, and we that, will direct your society. That is dumb because the writers can't write, but which almost works on Uhura and Chekhov and maybe others. Uh, correct, and it's strongly implied that this is what caused their last society to, to die. By the way, yeah, they became dependent on these guys, and apparently they just never left their home planet. And they were just like, "Whatever, you guys go fucking explore. Who cares?" Yeah, go tell me what's out there. Uh... Hey, androids, what's on that planet? And then their sun went nova, which also, <laughs> by the way, is weird because uh, in science fiction, people act like that's instantaneous, yeah, and not like the end result of millions of years. Yeah, they of... couldn't tell, man. Like uh, in any in any star system where the star is gonna eventually become a nova or a supernova, uh, the 
planets around it are uninhabitable long before that happens. Isn't there usually an expansion and a retraction? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of shit that happens, yeah. depending on what type. But, like, it happens over the time scale of, yeah. even in a fast scenario, hundreds of thousands of years. Yes, in Star Trek, that is definitely 100% of the time not the case. 100% it, of it the time. It certainly happens. in like, the only time for sure that we will ever see this discussed is in Half a Life. Yeah, but That's even the then, only time it will ever be treated. But even then, it's, it's like desperate. a 40-year problem and not yeah. a 10,000-year problem. For them, it's a desperate race against the clock. And it's like, what do yeah. you guys, what do you, what do you expect to have happen? Anyway. Yeah. Uh, obviously. Maybe the inner light. Maybe it's been happening for a while in the inner light and we don't know. But well, they wouldn't anyway, know either. You notice that, that those are both TNG episodes. Yeah. Um, all right. Obviously, Kirk, he ain't, he ain't going to handle this. He's not going to sit there. And be nope. prisoner of some androids, so he. Well, luckily, he's up against his all-time weakest <laughs> opponent, computers. He's uh, you know, it's like um, if you're playing a game where you got one one suit or element or something is stronger against a certain one. Uh, Kirk is definitely strong against robots. Oh he's yeah, got, he's got inherent strength against robots, for sure. Yes, indeed. Um, so he sends Spock out to go talk to the robots and learn some stuff about them. And uh, they start to play some games, too. So they decide, uh, based on what they know, the one who took over their ship, Norman, he Mm -hmm. seems to be the key to all this shit, based on the fact that when they slightly confused one of the robots earlier, they asked... Very, oh, very so slightly. They asked Norman to compute for, or to... to Coordinate. Coordinate their confusion. (laughs) Uh, So Uh, By the way, they mentioned this in passing, and it does not seem to be a factor at all in what happens, no. that each of the androids acts as a cell in a giant gestalt brain. Yes. A gestalt intelligence. Uh, but actually, it's just Norman tells everybody what to do. Yeah. So don't worry about that science fiction concept that they tried to introduce. It doesn't matter. So they're going to have to confuse these robots. And again, that's Kirk's specialty. So they play some logic games with them. They act out some cool scenes where maybe there's a fake piece of dynamite or something that they're <laughs> throwing around. They, uh, they, they mourn they mourn loudly how happy they've become. That's right. It's very, it's very moving. Uh, the robots one by one start to hella shut down, and in a very early sci-fi way. Well, oh, I wouldn't be surprised if smoke started to come out of their ears and shit. And uh, eventually, they get Norman too with the just super easy to get out of. Everything Harry Mudd says is a lie, and Harry Mudd says he's lying. And yeah, they hit him with a, him. they hit him with a uh, philosophy one hundred and one problem where he could just go unless you're lying because you could just be lying or like uh, we also took introduction to philosophy <laughs> in college. Nice try. I remember when I read my first book. <laughs> yeah, no, but it totally gets him and he dies. So then they're like, "Sweet, all right, we killed these robots. We can leave now." But you only know. certain classes of statements can be held to be true or false. That is not one of them. <laughs> you have failed again. But, you know, Kirk can't just leave it. He can't just leave. So he decides, because this is his best trick, <laughs> to imprison Harry Mudd on this planet uh, without a trial or anything. Uh, we didn't We didn't mention this, but Harry Mudd has made a bunch of sex androids yeah, yeah. and one copy of his bitch wife. To nag him so he can shut her up. To nag him, and she, for some reason, she looks and is dressed like uh, Wilma Flintstone's mom or something. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, and she's cross-eyed, and she nags him until he says, shut up. And anyway. That's his power over her or whatever. But yeah, so then Kirk's like, well, not only are you staying on this planet full of androids forever, because I have the power to do that, and because you've definitely been found guilty in a court of law, what we're really going to do is we're going to make some a whole line of torture droids that are meant we see, to We see that 500 necklace again, so suggest that there's at least 500 of those. Yeah, 500 of his uh, nagging wife to... To torture him day and night. Torture him forever, incessantly. probably until he kills himself. Until he dies, for yeah. sure. So, yeah, yeah. you know. He's going to have him tortured to death. Another, uh, another great ending in, in TOS. Despite the fact that when they show up there, Mud's like, I didn't care what starship happened yeah. to be you. Isn't it weird that we ran it's into not, each It's not personal in any way. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, tell me about it. Okay, so here's the takeaway for this dumb episode, All I right. guess. Okay. <clears throat> Man needs work and toil. Okay. Like, it's a scare episode about automation, right? Like, robots are going to take your factory jobs. And then they're going to show you their abs And it's going to diminish us in some way to not have to do dumb manual labor. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, don't, don't take it's away a, my jobs, robots. Right, exactly. But as opposed to a Star Trek presentation, where that would leave humanity freed up to, to work on art and culture and better themselves yeah. and tackle the hard philosophical problems and explore that the robots... Galaxy. And by the way, these robots are certainly not capable of it. Yeah. And explore the galaxy and ponder the meaning of life, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just going to make humanity docile and easily dominated by these dumb, dumb robots. By the Chinese or whoever. So it's not a Star Trek take. And that's the big problem with this dumb episode. Um, well, there's a lot of problems. Uh, I gave it three points. Okay. Uh, I get it. Yeah, that might have been that, that might have been what they were doing. Um I mean, the other possible take is only humans can understand the behavior. But then, <laughs> what do you do with that? Yeah, uh, I had uh, the desire to rule and dominate others is uh, evidence of a malevolent spirit. Uh, no matter what you say about wanting to serve and help humanity, Kirk knows these boys are just evil robots. So uh, he ain't gonna let them out there conquer the galaxy for uh, for their very, very good reasons of making sure that everyone is taken care of. So that's not good. <laughs> I, I, gave, no. I gave it a four. I gave it on the low side of average. Okay. Uh, ben, what did Ben think this ding dangle episode is about? Man does not live by bread alone. We can't live a regimented life since humans are basically logical. That's the opposite of my take, but he <laughs> thinks it's a cliche and he only gave it two points. All right. So we all came out on different places on this one, which probably doesn't say good things about it. It's not good. Um, we knew that. But we didn't give a good scores. Uh, he also gave it a two for execution, but perhaps you were feeling more generous. I was. Um, look, this was a silly romp. I'm not <laughs> yes. entirely mad about it. <laughs> it also isn't really an exploration of anything, and it's not an important entry into the canon, right? This is like classic filler. Oh yeah, for like, sure. Like, hey, they. W- I don't even know if TOS has anything that's not filler, by the way. But they. Um, well, this ain't it. Yeah. Uh, but it is fun to see them have their silly show and, um, you know, once again, ascertain the nature and whereabouts of a master computer that they can confuse to death. So <laughs> I gave it a five. I thought it was pretty average. <laughs> well, uh, my, yeah, I understand. Um, I uh, I gave it as many as four. Okay. 
So we're not really that far off on this. Uh, it's a dumb little farce of an episode where almost everything is played for a laugh, including the super hack nagging wife android. Yeah. Hardcore um, bud! You've been drinking again and overeating. <laughs> it's like, oh, we're doing some good. Um, As usual, it's the women who suffer, dude. But everybody gets a really big shot at hamming it up at the end of this episode, and it's for sure is the best part of the show. That's what they like, too. That's what they live for. Uh, Kirk gets to say this enterprise and then elbow Harry Mud, like get the cool joke that I just did, etc. Uh-huh. Uh, he gets to deliver this fun speech. You know they. Oh. Scotty's dead. <laughs> he had too much happiness, but now he's happier. He's dead, and we'll miss him. Let us hear it for our poor dead friend. <laughs> oh, the robots having such a hard time. What is a man but that lofty spirit, that sense of enterprise? That devotion to something that cannot be sensed, cannot be realized, but only dreamed. The highest reality. Dream. Bravo, bravo, Captain. Uh, Spock gets to do one. I loved you. But I, I hate you. However, I hate you. But... I'm identical in every way with Alice 27. Yes, of course. That is exactly why I hate you. Because you are identical. Yeah, that little beeping, that's the robot losing its mind. But uh, another fun thing is that Kirk does one of these when it's not part of that farce time. So enjoy this. Why should we leave you? Because we don't like you. No. <laughs> <laughs> we may hear that one again from time to time I, I did like that in the moment he uh, is waving his hands like little wings when he does that that's pretty good um, that's the best part of the show for sure like this is a definitely everything you said about it is true this is a fucking filler episode it's very dumb yeah um, he gets to fight stupid robots who are st- even stupider than usual like yep. he doesn't even try to seduce these like That's Ruck the and his old buddy. Those those androids were a lot more human like. Yes. Yeah, the androids I mean, are getting worse over time. Yeah, the androids are getting worse. <laughs> Wait until we see the ones who uh turn the enterprise into salt icosahedrons and then uh <laughs> At one point are we going to get to hear him say androids aren't what they used to be. <laughs> I wish that'd be great. Um is a four for me. Um, you know what's weird and... is when you were playing those, when I was listening to Shatner, I could only picture old fat Shatner. Oh, yeah. I, I... That was in him all along. Yeah. I guess the essence of him is not young, handsome Shatner. The essence of him is old fat Shatner. Yes. I think so. Everybody that is doing that dumb scene is having so much fun and doing such a good job of it. Yeah. Like, when... When they do the fake explosive and dead Scotty shouts explosive and jumps up and scrambles <laughs> yeah. away. It's like everybody was having such a good fucking time. I know, they made fucking Chekhov leap for like an hour. Yes, it's and, so I, much and, I was, and I was like, oh, when you give these guys something that they like doing, they do a pretty good job with it. And it's it's just, they just get some bad writing sometimes and they don't, it just sits like yeah. a lead balloon. It makes you, I don't know. I guess this is true, like, 
when Tuvok got to be an insane person. Yeah, that was the best. That Tuvok. was the best Tim Russ. Serial killers. Seen, Tim right? Russ is the best Tim Russ. Uh, and until it, this week, being in one of these shows must must be a drag in some respects that just ruins it. I can't say I would feel a lot different from Beltran. You know, uh, me and Beltran, I think, would be on the same page. Uh, world building, I thought, was the standard three in this episode. Okay. So there's uh, talk about patents and royalties. Uh, yep. Apparently, the de- there's a death penalty on Deneb for whatever. Deneb one of the five. Options, five. One of the options is death by phaser. Yes. Uh, not many robots in the Federation, we learn. Uh, which is consistent with what we've seen. Yes. That they do seem to have people down in the engine room physically pushing buttons or down in the phaser room. Like, they call down and then someone does something. Yeah. Uh, you can't beam down the entire crew of a starship. Okay. Uh, Leningrad exists in the future, and it's apparently Buck Wild. <laughs> I don't know what Chekhov has heard about Leningrad, <laughs> but he it is only when he starts to think about... Not just that these uh, all of these sex robots will fuck him, mm. but that Harry Mudd programmed him to be nasty. Yeah, he knows Harry Mudd. At that point, he says, he this shouldn't. is even better than Leningrad. Shouldn't he not know much about Harry Mudd? Or are we supposed to believe he was on Enterprise the last time around? We just didn't see him. Nah, I don't think he knows who he is. I think earlier they're like, uh, when Chekhov's dead. By the way, Sulu's not in this episode. No, no idea. When they said, uh, beam down with your helmsman, etc., I'm like, oh, they're going to take Sulu down there. And that was Chekhov, and I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. Um, but the, I think he makes a point of not knowing who Harry Mudd is. Anyway, uh, last thing about world building: Starship captains continue to have unlimited personal authority. Mm-hmm. He can sentence Harry Mudd to be tortured to death. Ironically, it did. That was very striking. <laughs> it was. Yeah. It was quite amending. Not uh, in so the way the that they intended. Three. They thought it would be hilarious, and uh, with our modern sensibilities, I think you and I both went, huh. By the way, that's shitty, but that's 100% consistent with how Kirk has acted so far. Yes, so. it is. Uh, it's not any worse than anything else. Um, Let's see what I had. Uh, emergency manual monitor. I don't know what that means. Uh, I also didn't know what that they meant. Kept talking it about seems the like emergency... another kind of auxiliary control or yeah, something. They kept, like... they kept asking someone to contact the emergency manual monitor. I don't, I don't know. Um... I think they said it was an A-type environment down on the planet, which was just all good for humans. Um, like you said, intellectual property, still a thing in the nebulous economy of the 23rd century. Penalty for fraud on Deneb 5 is death, but the prisoner can choose the method between, I guess, a certain number of uh, kinds of execution. Including hanging. Yep. Uh... Phaser. Phaser. I don't really remember what they all were. <clears throat> they were like electrocution and gas. Like all the shit that you could get killed by in California in the 60s. Too. Right. Uh, over 200,000 androids on that world. Uh, androids are fully functional in the data way. Yep. Uh, nanovision and a micro-focused laser. Scotty just shot his load on that glowing device. Oh, yeah, he was into that um, weird architectural model of a tower. Yeah, that was all lighting up. <laughs> good, Slash good some props. kind of space transformer, right? Like, yeah. In the sets of an electrical transformer. Yes, not like not like Optimus Prime. Um, right. I also had Who it is as also a, from space. I also had it as a three. 
it, it was a lot of stuff that didn't really matter or mean anything. It's a lot of stuff that doesn't matter to yeah. Star Trek. Yeah. Um, it's a kind of a character piece. How sure. do you think they did? Okay, McCoy, hella worried that that android, before he knew it was an android, wouldn't smile and say hello to him. Like, oh, yeah, for sure. Knew something was up with that old boy. Uh, we knew We knew by the way that McCoy is intrusive and probably tells women all the time that they'd be prettier if they smiled. Oh, for sure. Yes. Yeah, I'm sure like, he said he's it for in sure the show. that kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, but apparently he feels that way about men, too. Yep. Stop and say hello to me, damn it. Isn't this the South? No, I it's wish not. he would have said, there's something not quite white about him. And you'd have been like, oh, did he say white? <laughs> well, I he think looks, he did. Actually, Doctor, he looks pretty white. No, that is a white guy. As yeah, always. He looks white. Even the evil androids have blue eyes. white. That's <laughs> right, yeah. Oh, that time he said white. <laughs> That's even worse. Mm-hmm. It's very bad. Uh, is he drinking a mint julep? Spock came in hot with that beads and rattles remark. Yeah, but it's a fun witch doctor joke Spock's doing. He was bringing that Vulcan spice to this. Uh, Spock pulls a Kirk, and through wild speculation, he makes it true that they have a central control unit. That's right. Um, Kirk is sassy and sarcastic with Norman, and he straight told those androids that they don't like him. <laughs> they had to go away. Uh, Kirk fears he'll... he'll that's right, that's what he does. He fears he'll lose his crew to the splendor of the android planet. Hey, do you think that I could make, like, a Pac-Man that was Pac-Man in every respect, but when you died it was just that sound? <laughs> oh, I don't see why you couldn't. Do you think anyone would know what that was from? Absolutely not. 100% no. Okay. What about this one? Doctor, there must be a cure. <laughs> that, just this part. Formula. <laughs> that is for sure the death noise. That's the one you should use. That's when, when, as Pac-Man folds back in on himself and disappears from reality. That Kirk noise should be when you come out of your invincibility. Uh, um, yeah, go for it. Kirk, again, fears he'll lose his, uh, his crew to the splendor of the android planet. And then I noted that it did work on Liu Bei for a while. When uh, he marries uh, Sun Chuen's uh, sister. And then and doesn't leave the castle on any sorties for a while. They fuck in the palace for like three months, and Zhao Yun's like, I, I don't, I guess I give up. I don't know what to do. And then he opens a bag of instructions that Kung Ming left him, because of course he left him a bag of instructions. Listen, that shows a, that book's a lot better written than that. That book is fucking on point. Uh, as long as you, as long as you accept that every device is very clumsy, because it was the first time anyone thought to do it in writing, <laughs> right? Then uh, it will be delightful. It's really on point. Um. Kirk uh, starting to come up with ideas when he asks to get his sh- ship back to make them happy. He's like, hey, you know what'll make us happy? Giving us a ship back. He's about to figure this shit out. And of course, he imprisons somebody on a random planet again and he'll never come back to check on him to see how he's doing. Um, Harry Mudd. No, they, and by the way, they could have had one line where it's like, we'll send the actual prison ship by next week, but let's let him stew in it for a while, but right? They didn't. And then it still would have been torture, but I guess it just would have been torture for a week. Yeah. But no, not even that consolation. No, he's just, as far as we know, stuck there as long as Khan was stuck on SETI Alpha, whatever. Yep. Whichever one blew, didn't blow up, but got affected by the blown up one. Um, yes. Harry Mudd now counts for characterization, by the way. And, uh, I, mean, I guess. Is a silly he's old, not going to be in any more of them, but silly yeah, I guess there's no way to know that. Space swindler, hates his wife, went to space to become a turd. Um... <laughs> Seems to actually get along with the crew pretty well, considering. 
Yeah, once they realize, once he realizes he's been duped, they do kind of work together fairly well. And then he is the one who gets mm, just super stabbed in the back in the end. Um, I did. I had forgotten, but once it started to happen, it, it all came back to me. The part where the this wild thing where Uhura wants to be a pretty android forever. Yeah. I mean, this show is so bad to women. It's so bad, it's scary. Yeah. Yeah. Uhura's really genuinely tempted because she can be young and pretty forever. Yep. Now again. Yeah, wolf, right? At least they do pull a, pull a, a trickster and they use it against the androids when it well, comes to tricking time. Let's talk about this because it didn't come up mm. in your description earlier. What was the point of that? Like Kirk says, well, they expected an escape attempt, and now we've given it to them. Now let's talk them to death with confusion. Like, they couldn't have gone could right have to that step. just started with that plot, yeah. <laughs> like, in in what sense did they need to do the fake-out? Yeah, okay, so, yeah, I didn't mention it earlier. They do with, uh, oh, the prisoner's sick. They do that thing. They, they of course, Harry Mudd gets injected with some shit against his will and uh, falls unconscious. And so the androids come in to check on him. And then Uhura's and then like, Uhura I can't let you trick these androids because they're going to make me a beautiful android body or whatever. Right. The, the point of this, <sighs> anywhere else this has occurred ever in literature or television, is so that the captors trust that person. Yes. However, that's the last thing Uhura says in the episode. That's basically it. <laughs> She's, she is among the rabble doing all of the acting in the other scenes. But yeah, I And think then you're they right. go, well, now we've fooled them. Now, now we know they're stupid idiots. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. This is a test. How dumb are they? Oh, okay. Real All right. Dumb. We did the Yoda trick where we pr- just pretended to eat their food and beat up their robot. <laughs> and then we and then we said, ah, oh, you idiot. You stupid asshole. I tricked you. <laughs> You're so stupid. Now I'll teach you everything you need to know. Uh, right. So anyway, that part is useless. God. I might. Am I going to have to deduct an execution point? That pisses me off. Yeah, it's a five. For me, it... Um, I liked so much of what happened, but... It's just the ending is kind of delightful to watch is the problem. Yeah, I liked so much of what happened, but Kirk has personality traits that they don't border on maniacal. I mean, I think he is an an insane person, and what he does to people is awful, and then the stuff with Uhura is not not wonderful either, so um, just comes out to average for me. Five. So you just put this one right at a five. Yeah. Um, well, you're consistently a little higher than me. Okay. Uh, I had this one at a four. Uh, disappointing, of course, that Uhura is seduced by the idea of eternal beauty. Mm-hmm. Also, Chekhov's a real horn dog. Oh, yeah, I'm not surprised by him. Because he's already been written to be What happened to that him. lady he was dating in the Apple? Uh, she probably got shot by, like, a Greek god or, uh... Did Kirk break that shit up? I mean, was Kirk like, yeah, that that was weird how you guys got caught kissing in front of those natives, so we're going to give her a transfer Well, they didn't else. talk about it in the episode, but Kirk fucked her at the Christmas party. Oh, yeah, so it's probably true. She's off the ship. Um, Scotty's a nerd. Yeah. But, of course, Kirk and Spock immediately work out what's going on, and then they talk a computer to death. It's like, yeah, I don't know. I think in previous ones I've given Kirk credit for talking a computer to death instead of just phasering it because you know he would straight do that too. Uh, I gave it four points for characterization though. That's this episode is very bad to Uhura, and Uhura is such a limited and one-dimensional character anyway that it, it does feel like piling on. Need, it's piling on. <laughs> yeah. It really is. She doesn't need it. She doesn't need this. That's true. What did, did we did we already talk about Ben? What did Ben think? 
uh, Ben on this one is uh, two for world building. Um, wow, I think I came out ahead of everybody on this. Yes, that's uh, uh, and a three on on characterization. Um, um, Kirk's amused the entire time, which is true. He always has a shitty little smile on his face, uh, despite being told that he's trapped there forever. Uh, yeah, he has the Uhura stuff too. Yeah, it wasn't good. And then for his quick hitter, he wants to know how Norman got transferred to the Enterprise, which is kind of an interesting question. Yeah, why don't they give us a little bit of backstory on that one? They could have just told like, is them. There, is there a real guy that Norman killed and replaced? Or, you know, whatever. Yeah, we'll never know. Um, I have a few quick hitters. Do it! Uh, then we have a winner for new worst stunt double. Because the guy who doubles Norman in the fight in engineering is six inches shorter and has curly hair. <laughs> yep. Um, the android guts that we saw in our Netflix version, definitely oh, yeah. not the original. I cannot believe someone sieged. Like, I, I kind of want to look it up to see how bad the original were. I bet Google because, Images just has it. Uh, it's so bad. It's so bad at all. I bet I could find... Probably on X asterisk Ciencia. Oh there yeah, they probably be, has the continuity uh, thing or something. Comparison between where would that be? So this one's definitely the new version. TOS remaster. Uh, I see the old one. It's like some tan circuits and stuff. They do actually look more like circuits and wires. Okay. Well, they thought they thought they had to do that, huh? Yep. I don't know why they had to change them to turn them into future technology, but anyway. Yeah, Google um, just has it. <clears throat> let's see. Uh, no one anywhere ever has ever said Laddie Buck. Seriously. I don't know what... Last time I described, I had a good description for uh, Harry Mudd, but I have erased all my notes, so I don't know what he was. Or the writers couldn't figure out how to get Harry Mudd to show off the Stella android, so they just gave McCoy the lines, Harry, what's this? <laughs> I like that. Fucking first of all, calls him Harry. Yeah, his best friend. They're good. They're good like buddies. they're fucking good old friends. God, they probably would be. Like during the the trip with the women taking the Venus drug, he and McCoy were drinking in sick bay all the time. Or yeah, something. they saddled up together. They were for sure. They were they were probably going hard on one of those girls. Uh, Chekhov does a little wink and a okay hand gesture when he says "real girls." That's a vagina, right? Yeah. He's when he says it's too bad they're not. Real girls? That is for sure what he meant. Yeah. Uh, the poor woman who plays the Alices was for sure cast because she was a twin. Uh, but she's still a better actress than the last batch of Mud's women. Yeah. Um, probably a better dancer, too. I didn't see it, but I'm just guessing. <laughs> and, by the way, in the li- very last scene, we suddenly see five more sets of twins that we never see before. Mm-hmm. How bad were those guys at acting that they did not make the rest of the show? Well, they were bad enough that even just standing in a line, they were very conspicuous. Yeah. You're just like, oh, what are they doing? They think they, they call that acting in the background. <laughs> they were not good at all. Uh, and we have a rare instance here of Scotty doing a double accent, which is Scottish Android. And he doesn't do it good. Yeah, it's always hard when you got to do an accent in another accent, right? Yeah. I feel bad for It's like singing in an accent, that. right? Yeah. It's like... Oh, all of a sudden, that you got to do this. Or for every double thing, for every Australian actor um, having emotions in an accent. Yes, <laughs> as we all know, if you can tell an Australian actor right away, as soon as they have to portray some emotion, yeah, the the illusion of them being American goes right out the fucking window. Yeah, 
Uh, by the way, I give best actor to Speech Kirk and oh. worst actor to Android Scotty. You know, I was I thought candidate uh, Spock. I thought Spock did good work in the the Spock one. Spock does some good work for sure, particularly in the one that you played, where he says that he loves her, but he yet he hates. However, her. I hate you. Yes, I thought he was good in that one. Uh, I got some quickies. Yeah, yeah, let's have them. This scene with Scotty in engineering uh, getting attacked by Norman reminded me so much of The Hunted with Rogadenar and O'Brien. Yes. That I feel like that must be intentional what they, they did in TNG. straight lifted it? it the, like, I, I think he even calls for more security. <laughs> I don't know if he calls for it over and over again like O'Brien does. But I was like, oh man, I've seen this before. Uh, Norman is a perv. Just straight flashing his circuit panel to everyone on the bridge. Check it out. He could just tell them he's a robot. He doesn't have to show. Oh, and then also, by the way, nothing that happens in this episode makes sense, but the whole episode is so wild that you just forget about the next thing as soon as you see what's coming up. But, like, also he's like, it'll take four days to get there, and then he just goes to sleep right there on the bridge. He's like, if you attempt to fuck with me, I'll blow up the ship, and he just goes to sleep. And it's like, and then cut to four days later, they're there. Mm -hmm. And why didn't they just make it, we will be there in one hour? I know, why four days? What difference does it make? Because they don't show you anything that happens during that four days at all. No, and again, everyone seems... I think they knew what was in store for them. The actors were unable to portray unease because they knew they were going to have such a good old time on set or something. Or maybe they'd already filmed the fun scenes. Because at no point does Kirk look like concerned about what's happening. Um, uh, the wild twist that they were using Harry Mudd the whole time... Uh, I love them celebrating freezing up four units of 200,000. Yeah, they have no way of knowing that the rest of them are also frozen up. They literally go, now Norman will have to come and pay attention to us. Yep. It's like, um, I don't know. I mean, he's still controlling like 199,996 androids. Like, he might not notice. We'll check in on those four Alice's later. <laughs> like, I've got shit to do. I'm busy. The Oscars are making the air breathable right yeah. now, so... <laughs> I just, uh, they literally said that. Um, Scotty and McCoy's talent show bit was fantastic. I vote for them for third place. <laughs> when uh, they have to be uh, happy robots yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, wild community theater with the phaser whistles and shit. This is for sure what you would see if you went to community yeah, theater. By the way, which member of the crew directed, like, Who's like, okay, then uh, we'll whistle Scotty. We'll pretend we have phasers and we'll whistle him to go. Well, Marjan wanted to know why we didn't get to see them rehearse, because that would have been great. I, I think so, too. It would have been brilliant if we could see them trying to work out the bits. <laughs> if Chekhov could go, well, you know, I'm a great leaper. I could buy what if we, leaping what if we pretend that we play baseball with some plastic explosives? <laughs> oh, that's going to drive him crazy. He'll know there's no explosive. He I, won't be able to handle that. I kind of don't know if their plan was to confuse them till they died or just to, like, kind of aggravate them. <laughs> well, fuck you guys for doing this to us. Well, thanks for letting us watch your fake baseball game. We're gonna go now. Uh, these... you know huh. We've changed our mind. We're gonna kill everyone. We, all humans must die after seeing this. Um, again, robots are not, not even, like, getting knocked out by complicated mental puzzles. Nope. Like, you know how the Borg virus 
It's no, like, literally the most basic. They, yes, yeah, so like we've invented a weird like, fractal that d- depicts an impossible three dimensional object. Yeah, it's an impossible. And the are going to lose it. Yeah, they're going to lose it thinking about this thing. These guys just act kind of weird, and then the everything Harry die. says is a lie. It's... Now listen closely, Norman. <laughs> I'm, I'm lying. lying. <laughs> the robot's like, uh, oh, j- oh shit, oh shit. Oh, sh- but, if oh, you, but if you always tell, but if he lies, but then the, but then if that's a lie, then he's telling that. But he always. Uh. So anyway, were there always five hundred Stellas locked away somewhere? Was that the androids' plot against Harry Mudd? No, as well? fucking Spock just put them to work. Spock's like, Spock? All right, we're gonna, uh, the captain says we need five hundred Stellas, uh, and by the way, take out the shut off routine. That's what I was gonna say. Did Spock whip up a bunch of them in a minute or two? Because how much time has passed before those Stellas show up? Boy, it's not clear. Uh, presumably, Kirk had to get people beamed back the fuck up there. They don't explain how that worked, by the way, because presumably all the androids on the ship are shut down. Uh, yeah. So how did he get back? Like, how did he get control of the transporter again? He made it very clear earlier you can't beam down the entire crew. I have Starship. exactly this question in another episode. So okay. um, maybe we can discuss it then. We won't, we won't have the answer. <laughs> okay. The answer's well, yeah, not that's given. Right. Uh, but that's it. That's all my quickies. Ooh, well, uh, did we talk for too long on that one? I feel like there was a lot there. Well, it's I mud. Like yeah. there was no way we were getting out of that clean. Uh, third place last week was Deep Space Nine. Okay. This week we watched Profit and Loss. Uh, as usual, a ship shows up at Deep Space Nine in distress. This time it's a little Cardassian ship. Mm. And uh, they tractor beam it in, and three Cardassians disembark. Uh, Professor Lang okay. and two of her students, whose names I did not write down. Uh, yeah, they say them, but I, yeah, I also don't care. These are, later we'll learn they're very important people. Just not to this episode. <laughs> it's not to this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, we also get an early hint that Garrick's going to be around, because uh, yeah. Bashir has worked out a theory that he might be an exiled spy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Odo has heard a rumor that Quark has acquired a small cloaking device, which is highly illegal. Yeah, it seems wild. Yes. Yes. Anyway, Quark sees uh, Professor Lang... And loses his tiny mind and runs out there to uh, to say hi and gets slapped in the face. But he's not going to give up. Yeah. He uh, corrals these three into the bar, makes her a Sumerian sunset. Mm. Turns out... Cocktail continuity. That they have a past from the time of Deep Space Nine's occupation, even from before Odo showed up. Oh. And uh, he wants to rekindle this romantic relationship. All right. Though she's uh, not having it. Well, I'm sure you're anyway, very excited for a Quark romance episode. Oh, yeah. I was very excited to see this. Yeah. About this time, she gets a weird look from Garrick. And that worries her. And it, I think it worries everybody. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone wants a weird point, look we're from reminded him. that nobody trusts Garrick. Yeah. Well, because he's the only Cardassian that stayed. When all yes. the Cardassians left, and he won't tell and, anybody anything. So, and everybody thinks he's pretty connected. Yeah, he's uh, the least undercover that anyone's ever been. Yes, like he sits in his tailor shop all day, but then when everyone goes, "How long have you been a tailor?" He goes, "Oh, I don't know." 
<laughs> Am, Am I, I a tailor, tailor anyway? That, well, I suppose that makes sense. I guess I'm a tailor. <laughs> You're just like, oh boy. Uh, about this time. Uh, oh, anyway, after this, she gets up and they they're like, we got to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Uh, also, at this time, O'Brien, who's been working on their damaged ship, reveals that it was fired on by Cardassians, uh. and now it all comes out. So they go to Cisco. It turns out that they are dissidents, Whoa. but these two teenagers, I guess, are the most important part of some kind of movement mm-hmm. to try to restore Cardassia to civilian control. They're like those high school students that are always burning politicians on Twitter. Yeah, it's David Hogg and the, um, yeah, the, the, guy who's, the, the girl whose name is less memorable than David Hogg. David Hogg it's a very, a very easy to remember name. <laughs> David Hogg has got a good name. Uh Anyway, these these kids are important. Cardassia is in military control. Uh, the Cardassians uh, have branded them as terrorists, although we do not we're not given any examples of any actions they have taken previously. Right. And Lang is kind of their mentor, but in a way that the Cardassians sort of don't care about. Like clearly, they don't think she's important at all. Yes. Anyway, Quark uh, doesn't know all of this yet. He goes to Garrick to try and figure out what the fuck was up with that weird look he gave her in the bar. Mm. He does kind of a who is he and what is he to you about this. Yeah, that's a, that's a great song. They should have played that in this episode. I would, that's what I for sure what I would have played as the theme if Deep Space Nine wasn't now solidly in third place yeah, on this never uh, back, by the way. project. I like, don't care how bad it gets later. Like you just Enterprise probably can't be caught, but it, it'll yeah. be Voyager who catches them if they can. If it could be caught, it would be Voyager yeah. uh, for sure. Um, and Garrett gives Quark kind of a, a down low warning that Lang is trouble. Yeah, uh, he rips a dress. You know. It's a little thing, but I actually did find it menacing when he ripped that dress. Well, because he looked like he wanted to eat Quark alive, right? Isn't that what I, I mean, a little <laughs> bit. He, uh, Garrick, as always, does a ton of eye acting in this it episode. So much. Oh, uh, by the way, uh, just we can talk about it later, but how excited were you when Garrick came on the screen? Oh, I was... Uh, first of all, I was immediately ardent. Yes, yeah. I could have I played the trumpet with my cock, sure. as... Uh, Lyle says in the great outdoor fight arc. Uh, great one. I have and the hardback. Cornelius immediately goes and hides his trumpet. <laughs> uh, Aquid people. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I'd recommend it so, if it were still active. Is it still active? No. Okay. Then I can't recommend it. But it's still available. Hmm. Anyway, uh, so now Quark goes to to talk to her, and he's he's got a he's going to do a deal because he's a Ferengo. Right. He's gonna he'll help. He's got this cloaking device and he'll help, but she's got to stay with him. Yeah, the so kids can get. He'll away. help the students get the fuck out of there. Uh, anyway, she don't trust him. I guess the thing that soured their relationship in the past is that he skimmed some money from her government account little, or something. A little bit of embezzlement. He did some light embezzlement. It's not even clear that she got caught for it, but that was enough. Sure, doesn't matter. Cardassian ship shows up at the station. Uh, arms, weapons, puts the whole thing at risk, and uh, Garrick appears in ops, and uh, now he is the mouthpiece of the Cardassian Central Command here. Yeah, some tailor. He is brokering this whole situation. Um, And Sisko, in this scene, is defiant, and he's gonna, he'll match violence for violence if it comes to it. Yeah. However... 
the next time we see him, things will have changed. Anyway, yeah. at this point, Quirk has changed tactics, and now he's appealing directly to the students. So again, he's going to give them this cloaking device if they can convince Lang to stay behind. Um, and it seems like they accept, but then Lang pulls a pulls one of these Cardassian phasers on him. Yeah, she's changing the deal, but and in fact, she even stuns him when he's like, "You're not going to shoot me." Turns out that was an accident, though, because because it's the worst. Yeah. She is in love with him. Yeah, of course. Uh, who wouldn't? She didn't mean to stun him. It was on the lightest setting. Now it seems like maybe she is going to stay behind, right? Right. The students are going to go, and she's going to stay. At this point, though, Odo shows up and arrests them all. Yeah. And Cisco explains that no matter what he said before... The Bajoran Provisional Government has agreed to do a prisoner exchange, and he is powerless. In this and this instance only, he is subject to the whims of the Bajoran Provisional Government. Right. It's just what he doesn't care. Uh, in Garrick's shop, uh, we meet a new Cardassian, a Gal Toran, yeah. who Garrick doesn't seem to think too much of, but who uh, has come to Garrick with a new deal. Which is, uh, if Garrick will make sure that these uh, kids never leave the station. In the death uh, maybe, kind of way. Maybe he'll get to go home. Yeah. Uh, Garrick thinks this is a dumb idea, by the way. Yep. Because he thinks it's going to make martyrs of them. But uh, he's willing to do it. Or If he can he? Not, not do this dumb thing. Yeah. Uh, Quark goes to Odo and begs him to spring the three. And... For whatever reason, Odo agrees to do it. I mean, for justice is what he says. He says it's for like, justice, and I believe him because he talks about justice a lot. <laughs> I mean, that's justice is his main deal. Yeah. Um, not clear if there ever will ever be any repercussions for it, but whatever. He lets him go, mm-hmm. and uh, they go go running down to the airlock. And whoops, there's Garrick. Got another one of those phasers. Yeah, waiting for him. And uh, he seems like he's going to ice these guys, but now Galtoran shows up, and he's like. Well, I'll finish him off. Yeah. And also, the whole thing was a lie, you idiot. <laughs> yeah, right. You're definitely not rehabilitated just because you iced these three. And so, uh, Garrick vaporizes him. Kills him. Just straight up yeah, kills just, him. just vaporizes him right in front of the others, and then he's like, get on the ship and get out of here. I don't care. That guy doesn't exist anymore in our I galaxy. wasn't a bad guy. Yep. And Quark's like, thanks for not being a bad guy, or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, we're just supposed to forget about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh... And the kids get on the ship, and of course, it's Casablanca, so yeah, uh, Lang that. is also going to leave. And despite the fact that all of Quark's bargaining so far has been con- contingent on her staying behind, yep. what can he do? So she leaves. That's that. What's this episode about? <clears throat> hey, if you love somebody, set them free, right? Uh, Quark, that's not how the Dead Milkman song goes. Quark gets into a lot of shit. Uh, for this lady, but the biggest sacrifice he makes is letting her walk out the door at the end. It's pretty cliche. Mm-hmm. And what's it doing in my Star Trek anyway? It's a th- it's a three. Uh, well, it's this episode was so like Casablanca that they had to change it for legal reasons. <laughs> I'm not surprised by that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's probably what it's supposed to be, but that's only about Quark. So I uh, I went a little broader with this one, okay. and I said everyone has something that they value most, 
and that they're willing to sacrifice oh. for. Turns out it's love for Quark, and that makes no sense. But maybe for Odo, it's justice, and maybe for, for Garrick, Odo, it's, it's justice, and for Garrick, it's killing that guy. Yeah, he didn't his like rehabilitation. That guy. Like he's willing to elevate these dissidents to martyrhood, even though he thinks that's dumb, as long as it means he's willing to go home. Mm. Like it's getting out of this Deep Space Nine situation, which so far hasn't seemed to be that bad for him. Yeah, seems like he's having a good old time. And he says, by the way, that he loves this country, but that doesn't make any sense. That's a, clearly a lie. That's just a thing he's saying. Yeah, right? Uh, <clears throat> I like that take even less. I only gave it two points. Ouch. Okay. Wow. It's just, it's very general on what are we supposed to do with it. Mm. Like, at the end of the day, everyone has something they'll sacrifice for. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, of course, it's a back construction. Right? <laughs> Yeah, you didn't necessarily a, come away. It's cooked. Yeah, you didn't. That's a cooked take. You didn't come away with that strongly in your mind, right? Right. Yeah. Um, and also, none of the sacrifices that these people would be making are really explored, particularly. Like, what was Quark going to do with that cloaking device? Or. Yeah. Sell it? What's going to happen to Odo? Because he. Like, well, that'll never definitely, yeah. by the way, this prisoner exchange isn't going to happen. Yeah, is Major going to love The provisional that? government probably not going to be happy about that. By the way, is that Cisco's job to explain that away? Because he's not going to like That's that. That's a real good question, because, he, by the way, they do not make any effort to, like, come up with a cover story no. for getting those three out. No. Quark's just like, you're free to go. Yeah, Cisco doesn't even like doing his regular job. To put more on his plate, it's going to make him pretty yeah. pissed off. Yeah, for sure. Like, the one thing they have in their favor is Cisco was not happy about this. Is this where he uses Kira's fake-ass job of being a liaison? Is this is this what he uses Oh, yeah, this could be Kira's problem. She's not in the episode, so she's got to come up somehow, right? Right. Um, having said that, uh, this is a, this Lower Deck-style episode is so much better than the one with the sad Elorian gambler from two weeks ago or oh, whatever. Oh, God, yes. It's full of Garrick. Yeah, it is. All that stuff's pretty good. Um, I we get another sort of tantalizing glimpse at how the Cardassians, yeah, do like who they are, how their society is structured, and shit like that. Oh, well, there's learning. And uh, while Quark's relationship is not um believable, right? At least they gave it to the show's best actor. Can you imagine if they gave Bashir this? Oh or... God! Don't do even you know say I mean? that. Don't say any. Don't say they gave him anything. I don't like want at least, your plot. at least we get Quark trying to pull off this dumb episode instead of uh, Cidic L. Yeah. I mean, let's face it; the worst would be if it was a Dax episode. Oh, she cannot handle it. We know that. Uh, so, all, on the whole, I gave this a six points Ooh, for execution. Look at that. Okay. Uh, this is one of those romances that just pop up in like long-running series that make you go, "Huh." He's, like, madly in love with this lady. He'd give up everything for her. He's desperate. How come this has never come up? He's never, like, gone looking for her or, like, even mentioned her to anybody. And it seemed like he was pretty content without her, actually. No, and there could have been ways to hint at that, too. Like, Quark could have gotten an alarm as soon as she... Like, presumably at some point... When they boarded and they took her name, it was entered in the station logs or something. Yeah. Like, we know Quark's all in the security system. He could have gotten an alert or something that suggested that he has, like, a standing alert looking for her, for any news of her or something, right? Yeah. They didn't do but that. No. no Google News alert on that. Also, he uh, fell in love. He did the, in the uh, Shakespearean farce where the uh, 
Ferengi turned out to be a woman. Yeah, I remember he that got into that pretty good too. So I don't know. Yeah, so, yeah. So it, it seemed pretty content, but suddenly he can't live without her. I don't know. It seemed like it wasn't that well thought out. But as you said, that always happens in these long running shows. Yep. Where They're like, oh, it's suddenly... my flame from my past, and you're like, hmm. You know, we did this. Where did I come from. In the first episode of TOS with the man trap, yeah. where they're like, McCoy's unfortunately, lady. she's that one woman from McCoy's past. This is in the official like, log. Okay, we got it. We're doing it right right here, episode yeah. one. We've seen it with Picard and his old flame. Uh, we'll always have Paris. Uh, yep. Yeah, it comes up a lot. And it's like, huh, okay. Yeah, it was such a huge impact on you, but uh, we never heard before this, and we will never hear about it after. Um. I like that this episode was only half Quark's love story because the other half was all about Garrick. Yeah. We get to learn a bit about him. We get some more evidence about his spy career, uh, his current relationship with Cardassia. We learn about the Cardassian political situation. All that stuff's really good. Now, can they like. That's the stuff you want, for sure. Can they let him stay on the show now? Please. Can he just be in it now? I think he probably is going to be. When I was reading in the memory alpha for this, they were like, one of their regrets was that they didn't make this one even more Garricky. Yeah. And then, they, but then the thing was like, he gets another like in another few episodes that they do a real Garrick episode. Okay, good. I can't. So I think there's going to be another one coming up here. Uh, anyway, I landed on a five. I thought it was a five on execution. Uh, it's time to check in with Ben. Okay. Yeah. Ben's pick of the week. Hi, this is Ben Town, your remote Star Trek edition correspondent with my pick of the week. Pick of the week. Ben gave it a four for the take, by the way, saying love makes fools of us all, hmm. which of course is not a sci-fi take. Yeah. Um, but he gave it a seven for execution. Oh, so we all saying, went, we went five, six, seven on this bad boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's pretty good for... Yeah. For Star for Trek? A medium, for a medium good episode. Yeah. Like, that, this is, I guess we're not dealing with those numbers. We're not talking about another balance of terror or whatever. Right. Um, he says, um, good choices, uh, both giving Quark and Garrick screen time, but also giving them, uh, getting That's them to true. interact together. And it is true that the scene in the tailor yes. shop where Garrick is circumlocuting, right? Mm-hmm. He's uh, giving Quark... Uh, metaphor about he's warning him off he's warning him off uh etc uh he says star trek writers cannot write romance that's obvious for sure that's very clear then that the dialogue is bad and in that aspect it really is um yeah he, he liked this one seven for execution okay so um this is one where he's uh better than either of us yeah uh world of building world building i can do so where are you sumerian sunset that has been mentioned in tng maybe not to the point where we are in the project but um i think so this would be late season seven and i think data makes a sumerian sunset for troy losing a bet in yes by certainly by the time in ds9 this has already been mentioned in tng contagion no not contagion shit in uh what's the fucking one conundrum conundrum that's it yeah uh, let's see, the Cardassian dissident movement we learn eh, just a little bit about, not a ton. Um, no, it's more of a tantalizing Just that there thing. are dissidents. Um, yeah. This lady's revealing top gives us some Cardi body insight. She's got like a weird ridge going down where a human sternum would be. Not sure how far down it goes. Yeah, that's true. We do learn that uh, their, uh, their skeleton and tendons seem to be very prominent. Mm-hmm. 
Um, does Quark know what Odo tastes like? Or is that scene where he tastes the drink just to look cool in front of those Cardi students? I mean, that's a good point. Like, what did he expect to happen? Because if he knows but what I Odo tastes like, like, what's happening? I do like, for once, that someone's, like, at least considering the possibility that Odo might the be chair. around. <laughs> this Klingon chair, I don't remember being in the bar. Like, I, but Odo could have been the glass before you put the liquid in it, so I don't know. Yeah, Whatever. I, again, I'm just saying, maybe it was just to look cool. That was to make those maybe. students think he was real on the ball. Oh, it's like maybe if uh, you ran into some cocaine and you you were like, yeah, like oh, shit, I guess I better cut into this with a knife and then rub it on my <laughs> yeah. gums and then be like, yeah, that's oh, that's pure stuff. That's all for right. sure and cocaine. Like, God, I, God, I hope this is cocaine. I'm going to look so dumb if it's not cocaine. Uh, cloaking devices seem like fairly sensitive, regulated pieces of equipment, but uh, the bartender yeah, I have no has no trouble one. at all believing that they'd be illegal on Bajor. Yeah, bartender has one though. Um, yeah, well, again, it is it is never said, but Quark is into major crimes. Yes, he is I hiring mercenaries to take over the station. Cisco had this sex idea trafficking in the in the pilot about keeping him on board for morale's sake. Yeah. Was Cisco really trying to keep a back channel to the black market open? I mean, maybe, or did Cisco think that Oda was alarmist, and he's like... He didn't know, yeah. Like, maybe Cisco's had some dealings with Ferengis, and he's like, these guys are clowns, these guys are idiots. Yeah, mostly And Oda's dumb. like, this, this guy, he's got his fingers in every fucking pie on the station, and... Uh, Cisco's and like, Cisco's okay, like uh-huh, yeah. does he have a big light whip, too? Does he wear a lot of furs? And <laughs> no, does he, he make cat hands? So you're saying he doesn't. Actually, what is happening? No, he doesn't do any of that? I'm confused huh? now by that. the Ferengi. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe. I don't know, but certainly by now he must know he's um he's just very a, very a major bad. criminal. Yeah. He almost got Dax killed. So what's what's he still doing here? Yeah, it's Is a real, real good question. Cisco's personal channel. Let that ones. rich Bajoran lady open another bar. Yeah, right? She's doing don't have to have, doesn't have to have luck devices this time. She's clearly got the capital to start a bar. Yeah. Don't need to have all. Doesn't the have to be Quark. So yeah, if he's not trying to get to the black market, what is the what is the long game here? By the way, let's keep an eye on that. I want that to become another official show. Yeah, it's theory. worth. I think it's worth thinking about, if nothing else. Uh, that disruptor has a low enough setting that Quark is put down, but can still move, talk, and joke immediately afterward. So that for sure has a very light stun. Yeah, maybe I don't know if Cardassian. You know what? It would make sense that a Cardassian phaser has a setting that's really just painful, just to hurt people. Right? That seems like their mo. Um. Anyway, some of the spycraft and scheming is is somewhat informative in terms of what Garrick's up to and Cardassian stuff. Um. I thought it was better than average, but we didn't get it, like you said. It was mostly tantalizing in terms of what we could learn about Cardassia. So I have it as a four. Uh, I only got it as a three. Okay. Cloaking devices are illegal on Bajor. The Cardassian state is under the control of a military junta of some kind. You can fire a phaser on Deep Space Nine and no one will ever know. Yeah. That's what sucked about it. Yeah. Straight up no vaporized one, the dude. She shoots a phaser in inside her own quarters at Quark. Security doesn't show yeah, up. But then Garrick we, vaporizes that, a guy on the fucking docking bay. It's in Star Trek happens. 6, we learn that the stun setting doesn't set off the alarms. Now, that yeah. doesn't mean DS9's like that, but at least if she shot him on stun, you'd go, oh, well, you know, in the Star Trek universe, maybe that doesn't set off standard Starfleet alarms or whatever. But right, then Garrick yeah. just straight vaporizes a guy. He did. He murdered him entirely. Yeah. 
And it's like, also, are there no security cameras? Is no one going to be like, I, this is a, hey, um, Garrick, we do have footage of you vaporizing a man. It's not well thought out. If they were going to think about it and be smart, and if they had the money to make another set, they should have had them, this happen on some way station somewhere. Like, away yeah. from DS9. Yes. For this to happen in the cargo bay leaves so many unanswered questions at the end. There's a lot that makes no sense. Also, Quark had had the cloaking device already installed on that ship. How? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there apparently are some limits to Federation authority on Deep Space Nine. However, we know those will be abandoned when they're inconvenient. <laughs> All limits will be abandoned. He's the Cisco. Cisco will make a unilateral decision on what to do with the fate of an expanding universe. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that already He happened. will give away a planet. Yeah, yeah that's already uh, happened, too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I gave it, again, that's a three for world building okay. here. There are some problems with... Um, yeah. In order to do the Casablanca plot, they put some problems in here. So. Yeah. Characterization I liked a lot better though. I mean, I gave it a six. If you got Garrick in it, you're on. It's a good start. It's gonna. It's Garrick. It's even Garrick heavy. Yeah. Even compared to the orphanage one, right? Yes, that one was really fun. Uh, Him leading Bashir on that mission was a lot of fun. He sh- he's. He's mysterious, but not threatening in those episodes. But he's a little menacing in this one. Plus, he murders a dude. Yeah. Uh, Cisco did seem legitimately down at the corners of his slice when he had to turn those three over. Um, uh, I thought that missing a chance to have Kira weigh in on any of the Cardassian Bajoran shit, though, was a issue. Sometimes she just doesn't, she just, it's like, I think she technically has a line in this episode, so it is Little League rules, but it's just barely. Like, she really is yes. not in a lot of episodes where she's just and not it's there. Like, the provisional government is going to do a prisoner exchange to turn over these dissidents who are for sure going to get murdered because it's Cardassia. And it's like, what are we... Is this the... Like, she should have an opinion about this one way or the other. <clears throat> Last week, we knew she wanted to destroy a whole universe and smash them like ants. Yeah. And um, and this week, eh, whatever. But uh, generally, the characterization is pretty good. That's a writing error. That's not really anything about Kira's character. Yeah, plus... Just, I, we it, just don't get to... We just don't check in on it at all. Would her lines take away from Arvin Shimmerman or... Uh, Andrew Robinson. Andrew yeah, Robinson's that's tough. scenes, yeah. Yeah, but for me, it's a six. It's not the best characterization in any episode, but it's definitely above the mark where I want it to be. Well, I got a shit ton of notes here. This is my biggest section. Um, first of all, Garrick with lots of exclamation points. I was clearly very surprised. Uh, he and Bashir spend time debating Cardassian literature. I want to be friends with Garrick so bad. Oh, I know. I definitely want to have this conversation that he's having about putting family above state or whatever. Yeah. Like, I want to be at the end of that conversation. I want to read these Cardassian epics, too, and I want to know I want to know what he fucking thinks about Cardassian crime and punishment yeah. or whatever that's supposed to be. Cardassian Brothers Karamazov. I, I can't. You can never tell. <laughs> Whichever. I, I, yeah. I felt like Dostoevsky is probably where we're shooting with this one. Yeah. Um, I got a question about Garrick, though. Does he hang with Bashir? Because... Bashir's smart enough to catch on to stuff, but dumb well, we enough. actor secret, but oh, I see but what you're dumb saying. enough to push around. Uh, he's certainly dumb enough to be useful, right? Remember when he came barging onto the onto ops yeah. to shout at uh, Yeah, but is he? But but is he smart enough? Because I mean, if he was just super dumb, that wouldn't be useful to Garrick. So he's like smart enough to do things, but dumb enough to trick into doing things. (laughs) Well, I think it's clear that he is smart, that Garrick is counting on him being smart enough so that he can feed him 
a puzzle. Yeah. That he'll have to solve. One that, but, but not that so smart that he solved. can see through it. Yeah. Right? So, like, he can suggest something to Bashir so that Bashir thinks it's his idea so that he doesn't feel manipulated. I have lots of questions about Garrick in this episode, but in a way that um, I give credit to the actor because I'm trying to figure out what he was trying to do exactly. Um, is, is Garrick telling Quark not to get in the way as a threat or as a way to be helpful? Is he saying to Quark, you got to stay out of the way when he, the whole Taylor scene in metaphor. Yes. Is he saying, stay out of the way because, I don't know, I kind of don't want to see you get killed. Or is he saying, stay out of the way or you'll get killed? I think he's not saying either. Oh. I think what he is saying to Quark is, uh, so, okay, so this is complicated. I've got it in my quick hitters. What What I really like about this scene is... I don't think... So, we know that Garrick doesn't think it's politically smart to kill these people. Right. Because they're going to be martyrs. I don't think Garrick cares about their cause one way or the other. Right. I think... So, if you... The language that Garrick uses is that Lang is associating with people who are in favor now... But soon. But soon may fall out of favor. And that it's dangerous for her to associate. So, I think he's trying to get Quark to give her a warning... Right. Or get her out of that scenario. But if you listen to that language, I don't think he's mad about their movement. No, no, no. He doesn't care. But He, he doesn't care. I think he already knows as the operative on DS9. As a possible yeah. Oh, yeah. operative on he DS9. He knows it's about to go down. He's going to have something to do with it. <laughs> he may have suggested a prisoner exchange, yeah. even. And it, so it's like, he knows what's going down there for sure. But it, his, I think his language is a warning. Okay. It, I don't think... He is warning Quark away from Lang. I think he's trying to warn Lang away from them through Quark. Okay. All right. But I loved when he ripped that dress. Because he's Even though it's like such an obvious thing to do, it, he carried it off for some reason. He's the. I think he's the best actor on the show. If not him, it's Gold Ducat. Um, He seemed good the last time we saw him, like a good guy. Um, yes, exposing he's Ducat's, a little more menacing here. Yeah, exposing Ducat's whole war orphan scheme the last time around. And um, it was also strongly hinted, though, that he had some personal yes. shit with Ducat. But it's also strongly hinted that Ducat is a bastard. Yes. So, so he seemed like he was on the right side last time. Right. He's a much more ambiguous now. Yeah. Uh, everything he does, like he's like we were talking about in that scene with Quark and the scene in Cisco's office. Why can't? Why don't they use him? Why can't we have him every week? I'm just—I I don't know they what just, they're doing. They said they we come to so... the border with Cardassian space. We're told in episode one, "Watch out, the Cardassians are going to be a big deal in this show. They're not going anywhere." Look out for Garrick. Can't trust that guy. You put him in the show in episode two, and you go, "Oh, they left one. There's one here. What's his deal? I guess we'll have to find out what his deal is." And, then and he, you see information leaks back to the Cardassians very quickly also, yeah. right? So and then, strongly suggested that they wanted this role for Garrick. Then you just don't use him for two seasons. I'm just I think they just didn't realize what they had is crazy. the problem. And I don't like how many weeks ago was that? That was at the very end of season one, right? Yeah. So they probably saw a little something in that one, and they're like, we gotta bring him back, and then it, the writers couldn't quite figure it out, and then now probably they've seen this, and they're like, okay, got it, 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 got it. Yeah. I hope like, so. I mean, we'll see. I hope so. Well, like, how long did it take? 
There's that there's that whole first 13 episodes of TNG where the show's clearly about Riker. Yeah, they did. And then it took it, them a long time to figure out Frakes was not going like, to be able to do they it. They broke a bunch of stories at once. So all of those had to be about Riker. Yeah. And then at some point they're like, "Whoops, Patrick yeah. Stewart though." Yeah, right. It turns out Frakes can't carry a show. <laughs> yeah, it's like like maybe he could have, but not up against Patrick Stewart, yeah. right? Like, "Whoops, we got Royal Shakespeare Company in here." And then we keep putting him in semi-Shakespearean situations, and then we're surprised that it works. Yeah. Uh, so, presumably, it takes a long time to course correct on a character. Especially, we know these shows are fucking written by committee. Yeah. That they break all of them for the season at once, basically. That, that scripts uh, are carryover scripts. So, for instance... We're going to talk about a TNG episode this week. It was a season one script that they yeah. filmed in season two. Yeah. So it's like, it. I think it's just slow moving, and I, we know that eventually they're going to realize. Yeah, Garrick, Garrick ends up useful. main cast. I just can't remember when that happens. And it I takes want it a to while. I think it's fast. still going to be a while. But it's like it is. It is maddening when you see. What was the name of that fucking episode? The one with the war orphans. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't possibly remember. <laughs> I never that remember wasn't DS9 ones. Duet wasn't Dramatis Persona. That was so terrible. For the Forsaken, probably? Yeah, it could be. That was 20 episodes ago. Yeah. 21 episodes ago. It's frustrating to see that and you're like, oh man. Yeah. Beans. We should be using this guy. I also anyway. read um I read his conversation, his first conversation with that gull, Toran. I've read that differently than you did too. I got the feeling. That before the conversation's even over, Garrick has seen through this dude's scheme. Because I saw it on his creepy face. Well, there's a reason he uh, has a second phaser. Exactly. So he at least doesn't trust the guy, obviously. But I think well, he gets the idea that this guy's out to get him. Well, also, we know from the first scene that he doesn't think much of this guy. Right. This guy that is He doesn't think doofus. he's competent, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know... I don't think Garrick was at all fooled by what was happening there. Yeah. But I still think if he had been wrong and Gold Turan hadn't showed up, he probably would have killed those guys. Ah, okay. Like, I think he would have taken the opportunity. Well, then I think that's an interesting way to do it, because then you have a guy who maybe is not a good guy on the show. And maybe is I think just it's not clear that he's, a, that he's a good guy. Yeah. I think he's working for Garrick. I think that's a good... What, and some other... Th- like, he probably has done too much shit. Working for Cardassian intelligence oh, we'll to find be out. able to be able to just be like a pure good guy. Yeah, and I think that's good. That's something to mine later on. Yeah, um, it's like Kira shouldn't really be able to be a good guy. That's why I really liked that episode. No one else liked where she had to go into that planet and boss that old man around because right. she was trying to fit into this second life where she could. No, just that is be that is cool very officer. clearly an episode of her trying to figure out how to be Starfleet. Yeah, and then just like God. Fucking damn it. Like, this turns out this life still sucks and I still gotta be a bad guy. Um, Alright, Quark has got some romance feelings for this Cardi, even though she is a boss bitch and wears clothes. So, By the way, last about. week it was revealed that Quark is in the shitty situation he's in because he fucked his boss's sister. Yeah. Just just keep this in mind about Quark. He also has banged every Dabo girl that's come along. Yeah, well, it's in the, the contracts. Um, what is love for him? Yeah, yes. Um, it even in this case, it even drives him to unprofitable action. Suddenly, yes. 
Though he still couldn't help but use her to steal from the Cardassians earlier on. Um, well, he took an opportunity, right? Like, he's still Quark. Yeah. I, I think that makes sense. It just, the relationship is not well set up. Yeah. Cisco doesn't move that baseball off his desk, no matter who's in his office. Like, the fucking Chancellor of the High Council will be in there someday, and that baseball will just be sitting right out in front. Like, Is this clock still going to be on the sideboard? <laughs> I hope, God, I hope so. It's a clock. <laughs> I just think it's. I think it's interesting. I know. I, I know. I didn't get the delight that was in his actual voice when he said it. it's a clock. I was trying to. That's because you've never uh, been emphasize so clock the way he does it. It's because you've never felt the delight that he felt. No, of course not. I've never. Moment. I've never designed it's a like clock. When you watch the YouTube video of the crazy train guy, the guy who's so excited oh, yeah, that train yeah, is yeah, in yeah, his yeah, town. Yeah, 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 exactly. I've never he's, felt he's anything. Seeing that one particular model of train that he's excited about. I've never felt any emotion of any kind as strongly as he feels the joy. Of that moment. No, I'm not capable of it, probably. I almost ended my life after I saw that, because I realized I don't, I'm not capable. <laughs> it's, very, it's very hard to watch. I'm not capable of the kind of feeling that some humans are capable of. Or it's like the mushrooms guy or whatever who sees the double rainbow, and then you're like, <laughs> I will never be moved yeah. to tears by nature. There's just nothing. There's nothing in there for that. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, I like how Kira can't comprehend a situation where Cardassians fire on other Cardassians. How many times have Bajorans shot at each other since this show started? Uh, hundreds of times, <laughs> it's, right? It's wild. She blew up a guy's pizza oven, yeah. so what the fuck? She's like, Cardassians firing on Cardassians? It's like, um, yep, that's, uh... Yeah, no, really, she should be like, of course you can't trust Cardassians not to even shoot at each other. Yes. Like, I don't know. But that was her only line in the episode. Maybe the Bajoran resistance was not super successful because they concentrated too much on shooting back at the Cardassians and not enough on turning them against each other. Yeah. That's what she didn't use the tricks that Kang Ming used to get Jiang Wei on his side. Anyway, are you going to read that novel again or are you still translating the uh, foreword? <laughs> I have not typed one more word since that day. <laughs> okay. But it is still right there. I'm looking right at it. Marjan will tell you there are only like three things that I reference and that is in heavy rotation. Um... Odo has spent enough time observing Quark to see that he's acting on emotion rather than profit, and he claims to free them to serve justice. Which, again, that could be. He talks about it a lot. But are we also supposed to feel that he's doing it for Quark, and then what does that mean? I mean, Quark does beg him. Does get right down on his knees. Yeah. Uh, facts are we get character development from Quark, if we're supposed to believe that he's capable of things that he we didn't know he was capable of before. If this isn't just a one-off or whatever. And we get a ton of Garrick, and we get no Dax, almost no Kira or Bashir, and no O'Brien. It's a pretty good yep. combination. Yes, you know, it's the list of characters you want, basically. I, I gave it a seven, <laughs> even though some of the yep. characters ne weren't necessarily great. Just the combination of characters in the episode lifted it. Yeah, it, was, uh, it would be hard to give this super Garrick heavy episode a bad characterization score. Yeah, um, what did I mean? Dan he's not—he's not operating against Gul Dukat. That's, That's the worst thing you could say about this yeah. episode. Is where's Dukat? Someday they'll both be in an episode together again. It'll be great. Uh, ben said five for world building. Yes, based on Cardassia stuff, I assume. And yeah, I wish they'd given us more. I just want more of it. I agree. And characterization, he also gave a seven. Um, Quark can love. Uh, he likes René Arbajonois, or whatever his name is, but his only in the name of Justice Doc is getting hard to deliver. Um, Garrick is a, not a plant, they find out, but a spy in exile. So, 
Um, I guess that's true. Did we know that before? I... No, I think that's definitely new information, and it's it is kind of a shame that Bashir just tells us at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. That that's the case. Oh, that's true. We didn't really find uh, that out organically. It, it's kind of a complicated premise, so it I can understand not trusting us to figure out Garrick's situation based on his limited interaction with uh, Toral or Toran. I forget Toran, what his name yeah. is. Yeah. Toran. Toral, I believe, is the son of Duras. It's the, it's the son of Duras. Yeah. Yeah. Who is a dishonorable Topai, it is obvious to everyone. And uh, Duras' old daddy? Uh, son of... Duras was the son of... Shit. Gerard or yes, something like Gerard, that? Yes, yeah. Gerard, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit. He was the real traitor, by the way. He was the real traitor. All right. Um, is, is it quick hitter's time, or did you already do your characterization? You did, right? Uh, Yeah, I was a six, you're a seven, okay. so give me give me them quickies. All right, there's that Hideki class Cardassian escort bra, the one in the beginning there. Oh, yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's what they're for. Those guys are hella fragile in STO. They are fragile in the show as well. They they go down like Miranda's in the uh, Dominion War. Nah, that's a real shame. Um, okay, <laughs> it's consistent though. They're both considered frigates in in Star Trek Online. I have here. Uh, uh, uh. I just saw Cisco deliver his first lines to the Cardassian lady, and he was like in a real shifty way, flashing his eyes off screen, like behind the camera. Like, are we going? <laughs> did you say action? You said action, <laughs> oh, right? I wish I'd noticed that. It was wild. How did they let it through? <laughs> He was like not even looking. He kept like shift. Like maybe someone was making a noise in the back or something because he like wouldn't stop looking back behind the camera. What's going on back there? Like he was super distracted, but like they only did the one. Um, what does it mean? You're very perceptive for a Cardassian. I thought they're generally considered fairly cunning. I'm gonna say that I'm not sure that's true. Oh, okay. So, at this point, what have we seen from Cardassians? The Gul Dukat. So... He's got schemes. Well, so let's start all the way oh, okay. at the Wounded. We got fake Gul Dukat, played by Mark Alamo. Right, Mark Alamo in his other role as Gull... Gull got a bar on his head. <laughs> Gull pipe head. Oh, uh, I don't remember his name. Maset? Anyway, It might be Maset. Okay. Uh, they get They get, they get caught. They well, get caught right away. I'm on... Okay. It's inconsistent from the beginning. They somehow fought a 20-year war with the Federation. Uh, yeah. One ship Again, the only thing. explanation for that is that it, it was not the limited Federation's war. main concern. Yes, it was a limited, limited war. Limited yeah. war. They were not... There was right. Vietnam. They weren't crossing the border or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. That's the only thing that makes any sense about that. Although... And also because I think the war is supposed to have ended fairly recently, so yes. you can't even say, well, after the war, Cardassia was impoverished and their technology yeah. is stalemated and their no, ships are that old, whereas glass the Phoenix ship, is pretty new. The B-team goes on a rampage and destroys the whole yeah. fleet or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Although, if, if Enterprise were a battleship, which we know it's not, right. you would say, probably of the Phoenix, that it's a battlecruiser. Whoa, right? wait, wait, wait. I thought Phoenix has a big old sensor pod on it. Oh, it sure does. But otherwise, it's the exact same components as the Enterprise, just in a smaller, compact form. But we right? know they make a version with a torpedo pod. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, that's true. This is the science version. Yes. 
Yeah, but, but that's a multi-mission module, so you have to imagine they just swap that yeah. torpedo pod in. Yeah, so yeah. what I'm saying is, so this version is not even the battlecruiser version. This is the general yes, purpose I'm, cruiser. What I am saying by that yeah. is that this is a ship with the same armaments as yes, a Galaxy-class ship. it appears to be ship. same generation and everything. It, yeah, same generation, same armaments. It's just the smaller version, right? Yes. So, like... There's no reason to expect that one of these ships is less capable than a Galaxy-class ship in a fight. I see. Yeah, I guess that's true. But anyway, runs just runs rampant, just destroys everything. It runs wild on the Cardassians yeah. in that in that good, good episode that we'll get to talk about so, in a, five years. My point was, it's inconsistent from the beginning how it's even possible there was a war, unless it's a very limited war. But I don't take that. Yes. That, to me, wasn't cunning. That was just, they don't have technology. Right? No, yes. But then, like, also, they're trying to do a thing. And Maxwell's on to him. Yes. And at the end, Picard's like, also, we know about this thing. And then, Talk don't he- forget, in in Chains of Command, Jellico runs fucking ragged over well, these guys. He, okay, 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 okay. I have things to say. They mine that ship up crazy. I have things to say about all of this. Okay. Okay. So, in, what was the name of that? They, so, the they successfully spring a trap. Okay, wait, wait. In, in the Chains wounded. of Command. In the Wounded. Yes. In the Wounded. What Picard goes off in the end, Picard doesn't have any evidence. Picard is straight up saying to them, I believe this guy. The crazy guy who I have to arrest and take back for destroying your whole fleet? I don't think he would just do that. I think he's right. I think that you guys are doing some bullshit over there. And the guy looks at him like, "Mm, you'll never know. And that's when Picard gives him the warning that they'll be watching. Picard doesn't have any evidence that what they're doing is like some kind of crazy scheme. He just is like, there's no way that Ben Maxwell who is some kind of respected captain or whatever. Just... Look, he got caught out. He got caught out by a guy who couldn't even fix a fucking hole in his shield. <laughs> That's right. Exactly right. Uh, and then I got the feeling that what was happening in Chains of Command was sheer force of personality. Dude came in. <laughs> you think Jellico is just a fucking monster. And ran. He fucking. He ran train for, on For the dudes. same reasons he doesn't get along with Jordy and Riker. Yes. He's, he... he's like, make them wait. And then they come in, and then he's like, well, I guess we're not going to have a meeting then. And then he storms out, and these guys are like, dude, this guy is a straight old crazy person. No, no, look, I get it, right? We, Jellico's Halsey. Yeah, he is not this an is electric clear. brain. This is clear. <laughs> yeah. Picard is Spruance, Jellico's Halsey. Right. We all know this. Yeah, 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 and I'm glad that the writers knew that, too. And by the way, guys, if you haven't, if you haven't, if that reference is weird to you, or you don't understand what I'm talking about after the 50th time <laughs> we've made it. Yeah. Just fucking go read anything about Halsey. Yeah. You'll enjoy it. Read Halsey's ty- uh, Typhoon. Yeah. Where he fucking, about how he fucking steers his ship right into a Typhoon and then six months later does it again or whatever. <laughs> anyway. I, I've now, now we're just making the DS9 section last an hour and a half. Any, I, yeah, okay, yes, but this is this was the best episode this week. Um, so that's fine. Ah, oh boy. I'm still going here. Oh, boy. Uh, did Garrick sneak on to ops, or is it just really easy for civilians to walk around up there? I think you can just go there. That's kind of First weird. of all, they just beam anybody in there that they want. Yes. But he just Second walks of up. All, I think even on Enterprise's bridge, anybody can just fucking go to the bridge. Well, we know that because the guy from the old century, the guy from the 20th right. century just pops in. He just, In fact, he just goes in the turbo lift and says, now where would Captain Picard be? <laughs> Computer's like, I'll I haven't tell you thought where. about it prior to getting on the turbo lift. How come sometimes the computer's so eager to please, and sometimes it's very unhelpful? And if you'd like to enter, Commander? I would! Right. Fucking thirsty, bitch. Um, 
Memory Alpha says this Cardi lady is played by Mary Crosby. I also noticed that. Bing's daughter a and aunt, Denise Crosby. Aunt, aunt of Denise Crosby. Must be one of those weird same age aunt. Thank situations. God they didn't bring her back. Uh, Can you imagine if it had just been Denise Crosby as, as this as this Cardassian and you'd be like, oh, Jesus. Well, she clearly couldn't get enough. Um, or they could have brought back whoever played Ishara Yard. No, they couldn't because her acting was unfortunate. Yeah, well, it was not good, but maybe in makeup. Cisco's hairline is... By the way, I thought she was pretty good in this. I don't know. Uh, Mary Crosby? Ex- yeah, with the exception of the scene where she suddenly reveals that she loves Quark and that's not her fault. Yeah, that's writing. Uh, I thought she was pretty decent in this episode. She, When you consider that this is a Quark and Garrick episode and she's the third character in it, I thought she did a pretty good job. Cisco's hairline is looking real funky in this one. Oh, he's going to start shaving his head pretty soon, right? I couldn't tell if his barber lined him up bad or just his <laughs> hairline's all janky and that's why he wants to shave his head. In the book that we read, he talks about how he considered it like a source of... Um, I'll just say it sounded like a, like a black pride thing. Like he he wanted to shave his head, like a lot of the people that he respected or whatever. That he thought it made him feel more manly or whatever, and and they wouldn't let him do it. I think it's because his hairline was jacked up. That's because he had bad hair. Like yeah. if he'd had some good ass hair, yeah. then he would. Then we'd have been reading that book. I was always trying to get him to let Cisco have a natural. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, just like a proud black man, he'd be like, okay, that would have been cool. Yeah, yeah, I think it was his hairline. Um. I don't think they wrote Armin Shimmerman a good romance story, but he does a decent job at times. Yeah, he I did would just fine. normally nominate him for best actor based on his scene with Odo in the security office, but get it this week. I'd have Garrick ahead of him on this one. Yeah, um, it's Garrick in the tailor shop this week for me. Yeah, do the Cardis bother presenting any evidence that these kids are terrorists, or that's just a buzzword they use to get the Federation's attention? Uh, Odo has seen their rap sheet, and nothing on it is deserving of. So they know what. That push buttons. They're like, oh, these guys right. are uh, fucking terrorists. Yep. Uh, and then we talked about already, Garrick vaporized a guy. Nobody's going to ask what happened. Even Quark doesn't tell on him. There will be no ramifications of straight I mean, that dude was definite. Dude. We never, this is a gull. Presumably he's the captain of that Cardassian ship. I think although so. it's not made clear. We never see him interact with Cisco. No. He comes aboard and goes straight to the tailor shop and then right to that airlock. And it's like... Cardassian's not going to wonder. Is what the fucking Gulturin on that ship going to have to fly it back? <laughs> That's right. Did they were they carrying a legate? Is this is some kind of diplomatic? He's going to have to. He's going to have to make a call into Cisco and be like, "Have you? Do you know where Gul? Do you know where Gulturin is?" And then they're so secretive that Cisco goes, "I don't know who back. that is." And he goes, "Oh, never mind then." Uh, okay. <laughs> I guess we'll never find him. Uh, I think we got to leave. <laughs> he hasn't. He hasn't heard of him. He says, "Oh, sh- I didn't turn it off." Oh. Happened again. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't think he logged in when he went down there. I don't think he checked in. He said he was going to see Garrick. He didn't go through customs. The t- the tailor. Oh, shit, oh, shit. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> I knew I gotta go. <laughs> there was never a Galtaran. <laughs> as far as you know. Uh, Communication it. end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's the only sound effect I have now. All right, I'm finally done talking about this episode. Uh, no, you still have, oh yeah, you said there's a seven, seven for characters. Oh, that oh, was that your was quick, hitters. quick hitters. We're into quick hitters. Yeah. Okay, there we go. There we go. There we go. There we go. Boy, uh, yeah, no, I have nothing else. Okay. Uh, I already talked about what I think Garrick means in that Taylor shop scene. 
that this week Cisco's subject to the authority of Bajor all of a sudden, and Odo's not even going to try to cover up the crime. Mm. I gave best actor to Taylor Shop Garrick. I gave worst actor to I Love You After All Lang. I thought that was the weakest scene. Yeah. Uh, there was no Dax to ruin it for her. That's so good. Um, I enjoyed it the whole time that there was no Dax. Yeah. What would Dax have done? She would have said nonsense technology about how they knew that the ship was damaged in a Cardassian fight. We would have learned that it was Polarons, but she would have said por- Poralons or something, and it just would have been nasty. Yeah, it's all techno babble and gossip with Dax. Yep. It would have been great if she'd been talking about sucking off Morn right at the beginning or something, like she loves to do. Yeah. Um, second place last week was uh, was TNG with Contagion. Mm. Uh, so that means that next, we watched... The Royale. Uh, uh, notoriously bad episode. Um, <laughs> For real. Okay, some Klingon ship tipped him off that there was some weird debris out around uh, some stupid planet. I don't know why the Klingons cared, but they told him about it. So the Enter- they clearly didn't care, by the way. <laughs> so the Enterprise felt like they had to go investigate this this debris. Even Riker's real mad about it. I don't know what Riker was hoping to get done, but he's very mad that they have to do this. He was there was a harp exhibition oh. that he wanted to go see. Okay, it's all lady harpists. Well, anyway, they beam up some of this debris, and it's got a NASA um, an American flag on it. It's got a NASA symbol, and uh, boy, that's just throwing everyone for a loop into the credits. Uh, the flag's got 52 stars on it, meaning it's from 2033 to 2079 or whatever he says. Um, Don't take my world building. Sorry. Anyway, they're super confused about what the hell this thing is doing there. But uh, I guess they're going to go and check and see what's down on the planet, because there's some kind of weird structure down there in the, like a, a pocket of not, not lethal atmosphere, because the rest of the planet's got that lethal atmosphere. This planet is very bad. Yeah, it's got all the bad ammonia uh, stuff. For instance, it's older than the age of the universe, and it's colder than absolute zero. So they made real good use of their science consultant. <laughs> I noticed the minus 291 degrees Celsius or whatever. I didn't yeah, I didn't yeah. even remember oh, huh. they said it was older than the universe. <laughs> that is, oh, yeah, it's 10 billion years old. <laughs> it was close. It was very close. Um... Anyway, so I guess some NASA ship got out there. That's weird. Anyway, they're going to go, and, and they go into that little pocket of breathable atmosphere, and they find a... Oh, this is Worf, Riker, and Data. They find a revolving door in an otherwise comically yeah, blank In the Charlie Rose set, otherwise. Right? <laughs> it is the Charlie Rose set. Yeah, they, they even play the smooth jazz music to let you know where they are. Um, also, everybody's real drunk. Anyway, they go inside this thing and they find an old school casino called the Royale. And they suddenly can't talk to anyone on the Enterprise anymore. So they talk to the real shitty assistant manager and he doesn't really help them. No, he's not helpful. He's, not helpful. he's also caught up in a dumb melodrama about people named Rita and Mickey D. <laughs> I laughed. I always, I don't know why. Mickey D's the best. To this day, I laugh really hard at Mickey D. I don't think anyone had ever said Mickey D. Like in terms of McDonald's in 1989 or 88 or whatever this was. Because if they did, then what the were they doing with this? Yeah. They would have changed it for sure. There's some super melodramatic shit going on, like you said, between him and this bellhop. And he's warning this bellhop not to go after Mickey D. 
and that whatever his girl's name is, she's Mickey D's girl, and you just better stay away from Mickey D. And he says Mickey D so many times. Uh, By the way, um, I guess there's no way to do this in a sane way. But uh, when you saw this dude, the yep. uh, the assistant manager, yep, yep, yep. did you have the same reaction I did, which is, I wish this was Jonathan Banks. Oh, okay. No, because I've told you. You know, from Free Jack or the leader of the Noel Ennis or oh, whatever. I I know him from Breaking Bad. Uh, I know. Oh, is he I in know, Breaking Bad? I know him as uh, Mike. They couldn't have. Of course, of course, he's in Breaking Bad. That guy belonged in Breaking Bad. So, <laughs> yeah, so much. I know him as Mike from Breaking Bad. So every time I see it's him, it's wild on, that he wasn't in all the Mad Max movies. <laughs> every time I see him on DS Nine or whatever, I go, "Oh, that's uh, Mike from Breaking Bad." Um, he does. A, he has a pretty good. I like him in Community as the yes. teacher who can't draw ducks. He really wants to draw duck cartoons, but he's not so very good at it. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I wanted him to be the hotel manager instantly. Not that this guy isn't also somebody. No, because I told but... you my first reaction is, oh, I see that guy in Perfect Strangers. Yeah, right. That's the asshole who's, for some reason, Balky's arch enemy at the newspaper. He hates He's Balky. fine, and he does a pretty good turn as an asshole who doesn't really care about his job. Like, he, he makes some pretty good facial expressions he's, that suggest sure, that what he's thinking inside is who gives a shit. He's an asshole face actor, 100%. Yeah. That's yeah, why yeah. he gets jobs. Um, anyway, they got to investigate this dang old... Uh, casino they don't actually have to they should probably leave right away because they can't contact the ship but uh i don't know Riker, you know so they go around most of the people won't talk to them uh eventually they're able to uh find their way up into one of the guest rooms and yep. uh they find the body of colonel stephen ritchie a nasa astronaut and right next to his bed uh, sh- a shitty novel a shitty pulp crime novel called hotel royale and upon reading his diary, they learned that um, his starship was accidentally contaminated by aliens and then thrown across the galaxy, and he was the only survivor, and they felt so bad for him, they made the shitty book become reality, thinking that that was their preferred way of living, what was in that book. Um, and obviously, I don't... do you suppose what happened is the writers wrote a bad story, and they went, this is so bad, we should make it part of the story. <laughs> because the guy... <laughs> In the the Colonel Ritchie says that it is a terrible novel, and him having to live he in it, welcome death. Yeah, having to live in it made him welcome death. <laughs> so they're like, "Oh shit, we're living in this terrible book." Uh, meanwhile, on the ship, Jordy has figured out a way to communicate with the away team, and uh, Picard gets through to him, and they mention, uh, "Hey, we're in this novel, this shit novel," and uh, Picard goes up and decides to listen to the audiobook of it. The fucking audiobook! <laughs> to the audiobook of the Royale. It's so insulting. So that he and Troy could make uh, facial reactions to how bad it he is. He and Troy start out reading it and they fucking can't handle it and decide to do the audiobook instead. And eventually Troy leaves. Picard's like, you know what? I can just sign up for a free trial of Audible. Dis- I'll, like, I'll use this as my free book. Despite the fact that they realize very soon that they are in the novel and they have to like make what happens in the novel happen to leave. Ah, uh, they don't. So... They don't realize it until they see Mickey D leave. Well, so what I'm and saying then, is, after that point, Troy yes. gets sickened and leaves the room. Yeah, that's true. Once they've had the breakthrough, Troy's like, uh, can I leave now? Can I be despite fucking done with this? Despite the fact that she should be trying to help the away team also, by the, way, in the novel, she's just like, Despite the fact that the novel is wrapping up. Like, the yep. audiobook is clearly wrapping up. Mickey D's done his cool murder. So that's how bad this book is, that Troy can't even help the away team. It's so bad she has to leave the room. Anyway, so that is that's a thing. They have to finish the novel. 
Because the only way to leave, they deduce from Mickey D leaving, which, what if Mickey D can leave and you can't, anyway, uh, is to complete their role in the novel. And the guy in the beginning did think that maybe they were some foreign investors. And right. the novel does end with some foreign investors buying the casino, because that's a great way to end it. Um, it's like, well, again, it's supposed to be a bad novel, yeah. but I'm guessing that that all takes place in like three or four pages as right. the wrap up. Yeah. Uh, so they have to take on that role. So time for some fun spiner and some fun gambling scenes and some fucking fun freaks. Uh, yeah. Data like uh, works the dice over so that they're balanced good so he can roll seven every time or whatever. Whatever he intends to do on the craps. And he wins so much of that craps money that they buy the casino and they get to leave just like they thought it would happen. Because everything's always 100% what they think is going to happen. And um, that's it, right? That's it? I mean, yeah. That's the whole thing. That's it. They beam up. Yeah. Did this thing have a take? There's a there, there's a little wraparound where we see Picard's got another hobby, and it is mathematics, and he's been trying to solve Fermat's last theorem. And then at the end, oh, the Riker you. goes in, and he's like... Well, it's, you know, we'll never solve this. This is another unsolved puzzle. Just we'll never know what happened with these aliens. There's no way for us to make contact with them, despite the fact that they built this clearly thing. the simulation that they were running down there is intelligent enough to try to place you inside of it and work out that you might. Anyway, whatever. Let's never look into it again, by the way. Let's not do anything with this. There's planet. no way to attempt to make contact. I wouldn't or be surprised if they put or... a buoy in orbit that said if you come here, you get executed. It's just death penalty, not a death penalty <laughs> planet right here. Uh, but thank you for mentioning that, because that is important for at least my take, the 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 space mysteries wraparound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what was it? What was it about? So it did occur to me, as you were describing this episode, mm-hmm. that a possible cynical take is you can't polish a turd, or even well-meaning and talented individuals can't compensate for bad writing. <laughs> Like bad oh, so the actors material. wrote this one. <laughs> but that's the problem, is that uh, only the writers could have made that what this was about. Right. And unless it's a specific mid-season dig at Maurice Hurley, it doesn't make any sense. Also, this was a season one episode that got carried over. Right. So maybe Maurice Hurley wrote this in season one. It didn't get picked up. I don't know. For good reason. <clears throat> it's a real turd. Uh, but no, here, the I think the only thing you can think they were even attempting to take away is something like unsolved puzzles keep us humble mm, yeah i sent so many points in that that's nine right oh it's a one oh, that's a legitimately okay. a one point take yeah um but, yeah picard does this talk about oh dog oh i just almost had a heart attack I, sorry, I was just looking ahead at what, uh, as I entered my one into Landrew, I, I noticed that in week 39, we watched Tuvix, and <laughs> I just completely destroyed my train of thought. Picard does this thing about how, uh, after 800 Tuvix, years... by the way. Thanks, Star Trek uh, mobile game. <laughs> after eight, yeah, I can't believe it spoiled that wild plot point for me. After 800 years, uh, we still can't solve Fermat's last theorem a man who a French math amateur mathematician living before there were computers okay that's very funny it's very very funny that this was being filmed in probably early 1990 early 1989 I'd say yeah early 89 and that the solution was accepted in 1994 
Uh, right. The solution was already 99% of the way done when Picard said that line. Yeah. But of course, to only five people in the world knew that Andrew Wiles was close. Right. And uh, whatever. Anyway, that's uh, that's the basis for this take. Is it's like, we think we've come so far and we can't solve this, this thing, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so... <laughs> That's what I think the take is. It's a shitty take because it assumes that these guys are walking around feeling like gods all the time mm. and they need dumb, inconsequential reminders that they're not. Like, if not for but also, the fact that there's still a couple of unsolved math problems, yeah, wouldn't we be gods, though? Because it, And also, if it's supposed to be, look how far we've come. Right? It's another possible take. Mm. The Fermat stuff is, we think we've come so far, but we're still like this. And then now we're looking at this dumb version of 1980s Vegas. Mm. Uh, it's got to be later than that. The guy says he has a 91 caddy with only 280,000 miles on it. So it's probably supposed to be in the 2020s oh, or God, something. It felt right? so dated. I, I had no idea when it was supposed to be. Despite his bolo tie and everything. Yeah. And the, the anyway, it's not what Vegas looks like now, but that's fine. Um. But then, like... If that was the take. There, there's not any real people from that time. They don't realize they're just the same. They're forced to play out the game mm. yeah, the only in a thing real move-along-home type way. The only thing you could do if the take was, look how far we've come, is to say the or aliens... Or we think we've come so far, but we haven't. Have th- but... thought they came so far, but they didn't even understand what they were doing with this guy. Maybe that's how you would play that one. Yeah, but anyway, I just don't think there's any way to massage that nope. into a take. So, um, it's just it's just nothing. It's not a sci-fi take. It's not. No, honestly, I thought the entire middle part of the episode had nothing to do with that. It was just bookends. Yeah. Yep. And but I, that's all they gave me was bookends. And I had we didn't even. By the way, we didn't even get that in Catwalk. I know. Yeah, that's true. Like the you only got one with the crew. I did fraternize. (laughs) It's nothing. It's one bookend. The books are falling off the other end of the shelf. Again, this is a one. I gave it one. I am in full agreement. I had space is all full of mysteries, (laughs) and I was going to no take it until the ending speech, and I went, "Wow, that's what they're saying. This is about. They're telling me what it's about." Yes, they just did it so bad. It's just not about that. The whole middle part of the episode has nothing to do with it. Only the bookends do. Um, so it's a one. Yeah, it's a one. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, but how did they execute against it, though? Well, there's not much to execute from a premise perspective. As I said, the whole middle part has nothing to do with it. Weird shit in space is uh, an every week occurrence in Star Trek, so... So what? Um, I thought the various non-frakes and spiner performances were good. Yeah. <laughs> Since Worf, Worf gives a good one. Worf was good. Uh, Picard, Picard and, and Troy, Troy do a good job of seeming discouraged by uh, the novel. Jordy was fine as well, but the two main actors in the episode are freaks. They shit it up. They shit it up for sure. Yeah, so that's not great. Um, but Data has never had more emotions than in this fucking episode. <laughs> Which is a I high know, bar. I know that last week he threw Jordy away from an exploding panel, <laughs> then then went, Ugh. He's, he's but he's never had more emotions than this. He is the crazy train guy of Star Trek, so it's a high bar for him to clear in emotions. Um, look, since they obviously weren't going to be trapped there forever, the stakes were always going to be really low. 
I mean, this is the ultimate why doesn't Data consult us thesaurus episode. Oh, yeah. Where he's like, oh, is it, he there, sits down at a blackjack table, yeah, and he's like, blackjack? are we playing poker? Yeah. And they're like, blackjack. And he's like, ah, blackjack, also known as 21. Yeah. Then he's fucking blowing on the dice and saying, baby needs a new pair yeah, of shoes and fucking throwing them with charisma against the backboard. And it's, it's like, like he opened mm, up that file what? and so much shit spilled out. He opened up the blackjack yeah. file. <laughs> um, so the state it is fucking dangerous. What if you said the word massacre and all of a sudden he all just those got words murderous. came out? Yeah. And he, then he became a murder bot because the thesaurus told him about it. So the stakes were always going to be low, but there was some decent stuff about the alien captors and some early space travel stuff. Um, I will say it was not as terrible as I remembered, but it also was still bad. And yeah. uh, I gave it a three. Yeah. Yeah, man, we're still in line. I also have it as a three. Um, so this episode is full of bad science. Right. And also bad math. That's an accident as much as anything, but... Well, well, we'll talk about it. Ben specifically asked me to talk about it at some point, oh, okay. so we'll get to it. But also the choice to deliberately put the crew inside of a bad novel yeah. is a, it's a super risky play. Because the only way that this is entertaining to watch is if you make it so bad it's good. Mm. But that is something that people are very bad at doing deliberately. Yeah. Like, most of the time something is so bad it's good, it's an accident. Yeah, it's, yeah that's a hard kind of satire. Like a, like a The Room or something. Yeah. And when something tries to be so bad it's good, you end up with Sharknado. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or like a Piranha 3 double D? Sure. Or something? <laughs> sure, sure. And, or, or let's just say it, Snakes on a Plane. Snakes on a Plane, yeah. And you're like, Not entertaining. well, that was bad. It's, yeah, it was bad. For sure it was bad, but it also was it, boring as shit. It's like the kind of thing you sort of can't do intentionally. So it's a super risk and it doesn't pay off in this episode. Yeah. And there there's like just a handful of good like Worf is yeah, always Worf a reliable fish out of water. So when it. he answers the phone, he answers the phone. I have in the quick they say, do we want room service and data doesn't know what room service means because he hasn't looked it up or whatever. Yep. And then so the answer is no. And then Worf just goes, no. Worf is as confident answering that hotel phone as our dad is in using a cordless phone. Oh, he does do the thing where he holds it in the wrong place, and then when he hears where the noise is coming <laughs> yeah. from, like, uh, Dorn does some real good physical acting yeah. in that particular scene. And of course, we call it Theta 8. It's, uh, I like We, I like we call it Earth. What do you call it? We call, we call it, it Theta, Theta 8. 8. It's only because he's so earnest that it works. Yes. Yeah. Um... There's like just just one or two moments, but this is a this is not a well executed no. episode by any stretch of the imagination. It starts with the bad writing, and they, I guess I gave it one for the take and three for execution, so it climbed above it a little bit. But there's not yeah. much going on. There's not even for like it uses all kinds of new sets and weird voids and yeah. stuff, but they don't even do anything interesting with the camera. No, it's not like there's a shot in that Deep Space Nine episode we just talked about for an hour. <laughs> where Quark is going to beg for Odo, and, and you get to see yeah. that he has—he's so small that he, when he's begging, he is below the line of sight for Odo's desk. Yeah. So we get that brief camera shot. That they don't—they don't. They don't uh, there's nothing is attempted in this one, and it's like watching the bad melodrama about Mickey D. And I don't know if the 
other does dude. the bellboy even I get a know. name i don't think so because he's always addressing him directly and right. unlike in a lot of bad writing he doesn't say his name 500 times <laughs> no one says uh you're a runaway lisa remember <laughs> that's right um it's just it it's bad and painful to watch and the bad music and of course uh spiner yeah Another thing that disappointed me about this is when you hear Data describe the plots, the thing that's happening between the old man and the young woman is so much more interesting in the book than what we see. Yeah. Apparently they're conspiring to murder her husband. Yeah, but if... This is just clearly he's trying to get her to lose all her money so that she'll have nowhere to turn but to him. Yes, that's what we see. Yes. Yeah. He's just trying to fuck Judy Greer. I know that's not Judy Greer. But it's, you know, late 80s Judy Judy Greer type. Right. Uh, also, do you think she auditioned to play the role of Beth in News Radio? God, yeah, could be. Should have, should have if she didn't. I actually kind of liked that actress. I liked the way I liked the way she nodded her head and said "yeah" every time she didn't understand. Yes, it. I thought that <laughs> yeah. was actually pretty good. No, actually, she's one of the better parts of this dumb episode. Yeah, I, and the guy who plays Tex is Tex was either. fine. Yeah, uh, again, everyone who he, wasn't he Frank Spiner was fine. He says some expressions that don't make any sense, but otherwise, yeah, uh, yeah, yes, because they're playing their dumb, corny roles. Yep. Uh, Mickey D's nothing. He's yeah. He's, he's anyway. Yeah. Uh, that's an that's enough. Uh, talk about execution. Ben's a two and a oh no, sorry. Ben's a two and a four. He's slightly ahead of us, but in the same ballpark. Like for Matt's theorem, there are some puzzles we may never solve, except we eventually do solve them. He yeah. says. Uh, uh, so I think then, what some people say to defend it is that what they mean is the specific proof that Fermat theoretically well, and, came up with. And so that is, uh, that is, I think later DS9 will talk yeah. about it. We'll address it, and or Voyager They'd probably. Like, we did come up with a solution to it, but it was it the same solution. But it couldn't Fermat. possibly be Fermat's theorem, right. right, et cetera. But so, all right. So uh, Ben's quick hitter. I'll let you to run with it, but Fermat's theorem has been solved, hasn't it? Yeah. So uh, the answer is yes. The solution is very complicated, and... Uh, very few people understand it fully. It's it's a pretty specialized part of uh, sort of abstract geometry. Call deals with something called elliptic forms, hmm. uh, modular forms, and elliptic curves. Uh, it is certainly not the any solution that Fermat could have known. Right. Uh, however, even before it was solved, the general consensus was. Fermat probably didn't have a proof. In other words, yeah. he probably thought he had a proof, but there was an error with his proof. And that's why he never wrote it fucking down. Well, that's why what he, he wrote down he was mm, amazing he proof or whatever. He didn't write down proofs for most of the shit that he did. Right? He was an amateur mathematician. Right. Uh, he happened to be, he had an intuition that this was probably true, and he thought he had proved it. Yeah. It's very common to think you've proved something because you don't notice a hole in your own logic, right? right. Especially. It's especially difficult when something is true. Yes, exactly. Because yeah. the most common way you discover that a proposition isn't true is by finding a counterexample. Yeah. And if something is true, you'll never find one. And so... Then you got to figure out why. You, you may not find a counterexample in your proof either. Yeah. Right? So he probably believed that he had proved it. Or that he knew... He had the outline of a proof in his mind or he knew how to prove it. But probably what he believed had a hole in it. It wasn't logically sound. And it probably has been found and discarded by every serious mathematician who's looked into it, right? right. It's probably whatever he thought he had proved was probably one of the things that initially seems promising when you look into it. Right. But isn't. Um, but they don't, 
that's not considered. Picard just assumes that Fermat had a proof, yeah. and despite all of our years of working on it and all the technology, we haven't been able to come up with it. Right. Bad and obviously, timing at the for time Picard. it was at the time it was written, they didn't know it was about to actually be proved. Yeah. Well, it's like it relies... when the, the guy from the 20th century is like, "Ah, oh, the Atlanta Braves are always terrible," and then they won 13 straight division championships. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh, whoops. Um. So this is the deal with Fermat's last theorem. I don't care that they proved it. Yeah. But it's it's bad math that they assumed that there must have been a valid proof mm. and that it was still lurking out there and that it shows that we haven't come that far. Right. Or whatever. Is that part of your world, world building. building? Okay. Nah. Uh, world building, um, I didn't think they did much. So it's, it's going to be a two for me. Okay. There's the 52-star NASA flag, of course. Mm. Uh, we know that there were 52 presumably 52 states hmm. between 2033 and 2079. Other than that, there's some bad techno babble about communications and encoding. Right. And then the mystery of the ship being brought here and the aliens, but none of that's really explored. They don't know anything more about that at the end than they did at the beginning. Right. <clears throat> and I don't think there was much else. You can call up an old book. Like if you're on the enterprise, Apparently they got every book ever made. You can get the audio book and it sounds just exactly like the actors who were carrying it out down on the surface for laziness reasons. They didn't want to have someone else read those lines. I have so I much more to say about that. I got it's so very dumb. I it. mean, it's exactly like every time you uh, are watching a security camera in a TV show and it's the exact footage that you just saw. Yes, exactly. Or like uh, the only show ever to explain. Except, except in Star Trek, <laughs> the one time when they're like, it's not possible that this is security. And they're like, fuck you, it is possible. We're aliens. Well, we're aliens. What do you want? Yeah, that was good. All right, world building. Fermat's last theorem was never solved. Okay. Um Guessing their reaction to the NASA logo means that it's still a well-known part of space history, because they immediately jumped all over that. Um, data seems to indicate that standard procedures has to beam up immediately if you've lost contact with the ship. Now, this is what I was saying earlier. But, like, how? If you can't <laughs> call them because you've lost communications, is there, like, a button on your communicator or tricorder? Okay, I don't think it's crazy though that standard procedure, if you go into a structure and lose contact, is to go with back the ship, out of the structure. Is not to go back out of the structure. I agree. And that's what Data's trying to get him to do. But let's say they can't reestablish communications. What is standard procedure then? What do you do? Because you yeah. can't get them to beam you up. They have to independently decide to do it if they can get probably a lock Boy on Scout you. rules, right? You probably go back to where you beam down, out, right? And maybe and, make a, a smoke and then, signal. And then when Enterprise realizes they can't contact you, they will but that it. you're in the beam-out location, they'll beam you up, right. right? Presumably that's what would happen. So that's why I said earlier I shouldn't. we shouldn't talk about it yet, because I had questions about that. Because, like, what was Kirk supposed to do? Like, who's going to beam him up? If you're on the yeah, surface, no. what is your power to be beamed up? And they've obviously never explained it in-universe, but do you think maybe they have that power of some kind of automated beam-up? Well, so by Deep Space Nine, this is a solved problem because we've already seen fifteen times you someone signal to an empty runabout right. to beam up. Okay, so there you uh, go. Maybe they can do that. But, but if you don't also have in this episode fucked. of TOS, also in iMud, we learn that Norman. Well, at least we hear from Norman that there are there's very little automation right. in the present day Federation. 
So presumably, you need a man standing at that station to do beaming. And I don't think we'll ever see it yeah. otherwise in TOS. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you know what? That's an extra point. That protocol thing. Uh, I I do think it's shitty that Riker didn't just follow ignores it. That yeah. it hurts it hurts characterization, but I think that pushes us up to the standard. Yeah, you know, he'd rather nose around. Me. He's got a shit eating grin on his face as soon as he walks into that place. Yeah, so. he's like, I don't think we're in any danger. So yeah. forget about the protocol. Yep. Um, By the way, I'm so far I have only constantly harped on Picard about protocol, and he constantly wants to break it. Yeah. But uh, now that I'm in charge down here, <laughs> who cares? That's right. It's my prerogative. Um, Riker knows offhand that an American flag with 52 stars was in use between 2033 and 2079. So that's pretty good. He's got his history down pat. Yeah, he learned all the states. I guess if you're from Alaska, you might care about the two states that join after Alaska. So open question here. What are stars 51 and 52? It's a good question. You want one of them to be Puerto Rico. Yeah. That makes the most sense. And then I've always been a fan of a weird idea where 52 might be Quebec. Wait, so they, why would they leave Canada and join us? And maybe they don't like it once they leave Canada. Maybe they don't leave by choice. Maybe they don't. Um, would Data be damaged by the harsh atmosphere? Because he says that would give us approximately 12 seconds, and he doesn't look oh, any more pleased than Riker. When by the way, I, I guess we should point out in this moment that there is a possibility that 51 and 52 are northern and southern California. Ooh. It is going to be on the ballot this year. Ooh, I wonder if I wonder how possible to split California be. into three states. See, some, that's dangerous. You put something on there like that, people just might out of pure yeah, wanting to fuck around. Uh, we have learned <laughs> that people don't take their votes seriously. Yeah, that might you might you might literally have two Californias just because uh, some... three. It's three. That's why it would be 52 stars. Oh, wait. So northern and southern and the valley? And California is the third one is in it, the current is it proposition. Like the valley? What is it's it? kind of the central coast and the what? and maybe the peninsula. There's nothing in that. Yeah, I know. Uh, but it includes L.A. So Southern California doesn't. It, I mean, Whoa, look, Southern California dumb. doesn't it's include very, L.A. No, but it includes San Diego. It's very uh, dumb. Who drew that? Okay, I'm, let's we're way off. To, we're way off task here. But anyway, it's going to be on the ballot. So when we when we see it, we can we can talk about it later. Um, okay, so... I think, by the way, I don't think it's a good idea. Let's just leave it there. Would data be damaged by the harsh atmosphere? He says that would give us approximately 12 seconds, and he doesn't look any more pleased than Riker when Pulaski says she can theoretically revive them. Well, it's below absolute zero. Okay. So probably... And if he's full of fluids, probably he could suffer some of the same damage from extreme cold that a human could. Okay. Are the aliens pumping in the shitty soundtrack? How could they know uh, what it sounds right, like from so, the Wait... Right. So if not, the, the world's biggest question is how do they do any of this based on the novel? So wait. So if not, is it either the TNG creators just putting that in there for it, or is that the music Picard's hearing on the audiobook? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is my so I had some options in there. What do you think it right. is? Right. So it is a good question. So the the audiobook is problematic for a lot of reasons. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, number one, it's clearly the same actors, and there's no yes. sensible in-universe argument for that. No, well, he downloaded it from that. the alien computer, you know. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, but you're also right in that he hears the music, and that suggests that the music is now diegetic. Oh, God. So that means that when there's a dumb sting after Data makes a joke, they're hearing that dumb sting. That's a problem. That's a universe problem. Yeah. Yeah. That sucks. 
And the air- and by the way, if we had heard the kid saying that line, and then up on the bridge, fucking James Earl Jones was reading the book. <laughs> yep. Do you know what I mean? Like in Picard's ready room, it's someone else. They got Stephen Fry's reading the audio book. Yeah. And then you're like, you would be like, oh yeah, it's an audio book. Yeah, that would have been better. Um, it's one guy doing all the voices. In fact, that is so annoying that I had it at a four for all of the early space history, <laughs> Earth, Earth history stuff, but it's back down to a three because that's terrible. That's the music is so. Ter- I don't understand what's happening. Yeah, that unless that it's just sucks. the TNG putting that over the top, like that the creators of the show. But then again, it sounds like Picard can hear it, so I don't know what to do. Um, so that's all I had. Just a three on the world building. Well, what did you think of characterization? Um, why are we supposed to think that Riker wants to get the hell out of here when they move into orbit around that planet? Yeah, it's what weird, are, right? What is? I, I thought maybe I'd missed something that they said they were on their way somewhere else, but I, I don't think I did. No, I don't have any. Like, you know, my notes are much more detailed. Yeah. Um, but all I have is Enterprise is at an uncharted world where a Klingon cruiser found a piece of an old NASA ship in the upper atmosphere. Yeah. But then his attitude completely changes, because when they enter the Royale, he smiles for a bit like, oh, cool, a casino. Yeah. Like, this old boy is dumb as hell. Yeah. Like, why do you think there's a casino there, Riker? You think a bunch of humans went out there and made a casino? This is just going to be a fun time? On freezing methane planet? Fucking idiot. And he really pusses out when that guy tells him that the manager's busy. He just swallows his tongue and the guy walks away. (laughs) He is... Listen, he is six foot three, and he's been in Starfleet since he was eighteen. He's used to people. He is not him. used to this shit. <laughs> he's not used to getting the shit face from the shit face actor. He's not used to the guy saying, "If you have any complaints about the service, bring it up with the manager." And then the manager's very busy. He's just walking away, and Riker just looks like, "Oh fuck, he totally fucking smoked me." So I guess he's not that eager to escape because he just lets him go. Um, yeah. Then Riker looks mad at the entire universe that he didn't understand what room service was. Like, when Worf says, they say the kitchen will be open all night if we change our minds. Riker has a look on they his say face. say the kitchen is open 24 hours a day if we change our minds. Riker has a look on his face like he is just so fucking pissed off about this situation. <laughs> it's like, calm down, dude. It's just room service. Um, how long had Riker been dreaming up that line about when the train comes in, everybody rides? Uh, he'd been thinking about it ever since Picard threw him that hint that they're supposed to be generous. <laughs> like, how come nobody's looked at him and just went, I'm embarrassed for you. That's what somebody at that table should have said. Um, Picard, like when he was looking at that planetary model some episodes back, is enjoying some more scholarly pursuits when Riker comes to bother him. Uh, Picard can't stand the uh, shitty writing of the Royale. There's an O'Brien sighting, and he calls everyone gents. He does. Which I liked. Um, I I obviously chuckled when Worf hyper-seriously told the guy at the desk that they call the planet Theta-8. And I already said the thing about his, the way he handles that phone. Um, By the way, there's... Uh, I know it's going to be a million years till we get to this, but when Kern agrees to eat their dead bird meat... <laughs> the look he gives it. It's so perfect, and, and Worf saying we call it Theta-8 is very similar to me. Runs in the family. Um, Troy has basically become the Troy we all remember now, right? Just describing vague feelings with her magic powers, and that's that's yep. basically her role. 
Um, she does seem like a real person when she and Picard are listening to the garbage audiobook, but other than <laughs> yes, that, that's true. she's just like, oh, the emotions on the surface changed. Yeah, she got hurled real good. Yeah. It really happened for her this season. Uh, I have it just at a five. I had Riker and Data were below average and everyone else was at or above it. Uh, look, we've been in lockstep so far, but it's not a five. Ooh. Uh... Why doesn't Riker follow the standard protocol when Data brings it up? Is it to delay the suspense a little bit? Yeah, you read the script. <sighs> I think he did read the script. Uh, Picard has weird hobbies. Data is an emotion monster. He is. It's uh, true. Worf, Worf's barely in it. I mean... Riker is... Awful. This is not Riker. Yeah. This is not the Riker who is instantly on to Groppler Zorn or... Everyone else who comes uh, onto the ship. ...has that great conversation with uh, Drake in Arsenal of Freedom. It's a good ship. Uh, this, is, this is not the Riker who would say uh, standard procedure calls for yellow alert or whatever, like on the bridge. Yeah, something's up with him. He's just like... Oh, hell yeah. A casino? Let's fucking play. A casino that shouldn't exist and didn't have exterior walls when we came through the door. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also did enjoy, uh, we do see more of Worf's nemesis doors in this one. <laughs> yep. Lucky for him, there weren't two entire casinos. Cause he he keeps it together them. in front of Data, I think. Data keeps him in check. Like, Worf already knows about his doors and how he gets in a weird bloodlust in the exercise program, but uh, he's just trying to hold it together in front of Data. It's true. He doesn't make that effort in front of Riker. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, I only have it as a three. Ben is uh, two for world building. Okay. Uh, he's, he says the poker playing is continuity. Yeah, I mean, it is, but it's only continuity from Measure of a Man. Yeah, I don't know how many points it's going to end up getting, but I'm not going to give uh, it points every time. He suggests that the 52nd star is Canada, which would be wild. Just all of it. Uh, he only gave it a one for characterization. Ouch. I, he I says, thought the best uh, of Ry it. Riker shouldn't come up with plans because they're stupid. <laughs> uh, we're buying this place. Give me a break. Data's at his spinery worst. Worf's a non-entity, etc. Yeah fair um all right quick hitters go for it it seems inconceivable to me that data would understand and repeat tex's use of the word bidness yes as always there are things he come up he comes up with that he should not have any business understanding based on the questions he asks Worf doesn't know to push the elevator button but he does know how to turn a standard doorknob What's Kronos like? It's a real good question, <laughs> right? Also, he doesn't know. You've never Has known. he ever been He's there? He's read it in books. <laughs> What's his farming colony like? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, that's better. Yeah, that's probably what it is. Ah, uh, Data can't stop making emotions face. So, the plan... So, they see Mickey D leave. Yeah. And then they calls up and he says, well, he was, Mickey D was able to leave. And Picard says, well, it says right here, he walked out. Like, he left. It said it in the book, so he was able to do it. Yeah. And then they're like, we're buying this hotel. That way we can walk they don't out. Try any, they don't try the most simple thing possible, which is, uh, we're checking out now. 
we'd like to check out. Yeah, right. That's that's in that's in keeping with what characters would do in it. That happens. At, by the way, this is a hotel. We're uh, thank you. We're checking out. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we like to cash uh, out. We and went check to out. we went to our room and there was a dead man in it, so we won't be staying here. <laughs> yeah, we're checking we're out. We're going to give you a bad review on '90s Yelp. Yeah, yeah. So. Like they don't attempt any of that. They're just instant. They're just uh, they just instantly buy in on where the three foreign investors. Uh, again, is that because the guy mentions it to him earlier? Uh, the, he says the that they, they're expecting a party of three foreign gentlemen. Yeah, I think that's probably like, why they go. Oh, this guy already thinks we might be them. Yeah, Discayoto, exactly. Discayoto. Uh jeez. Uh oh! Uh, ben points out that the Charybdis—it was the name of the ship—and it's like a whirlpool. Uh, that's also it was in my notes. Yep. Data read the whole novel and summarized it for them. Yeah. Right. Why don't they ask Data what to do? Yeah. Why doesn't Why doesn't uh, Riker have Data formulate a plan? Instead, why do they do this back and forth where they feed information up to the ship and then Picard comes up with a plan? Well, I think they all might have read the script. I think all of them had what? a copy. It's cool. Like, it's super cool that Data uh, can fix the dice or whatever. Why didn't they just write a check? And then walk out. Yeah, right. Like, I'm sure that the three foreign investors who bought the hotel did not win the money in the hotel. That'd be a wild novel. They probably wrote a check. Especially if it was only one page. Then they gambled all night and won $12.5 million and bought the place. Also, was that enough money to buy a casino? Like, even in 1990? Well, certainly not. That could not be! (laughs) Certainly not. But the casino's pretty run down? And then it's like, so it's not clear when this book was supposed to have been written. Yeah. Because he says he has a 91 caddy, but this looks like Vegas from the 1950s. That's what I'm saying. I didn't understand. When you told me that, because I didn't remember that, when you told me you said 91 caddy, I went, wait a minute. What year is this garbage supposed to be? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got some quick hitters. I always do. Yeah, TNG. let's have them. Um, Give me those. But I'll just do real quick. Room service, Wharf, and then uh, Tex. I have him as worst actor, but actually he wasn't that bad. There's just no one was in it. I mean, Spiner's the worst actor. Yeah, he always, always. is. Yeah, for in perpetuity. Yeah. Unless it's up against It's just Garrett not Wang. exciting to say Spiner again. It's just like saying Dax every time. Yeah. Uh, this Texan seems very impressed that Data knows the rules to Blackjack. Does he, um, does he not, not know the rules? Not know them. And he's too embarrassed to tell anyone at the table? <laughs> I, 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 that was a real, I was a, I was a wild horseman. That's what you did there. Um, I kind of like this guest actress. I already said that. I like the way she played. She didn't, yeah. She didn't understand anything Data was saying. Maybe, <clears throat> maybe they don't know how revolving doors work. And the episode could have ended if they had just used them right. <laughs> Like, you could have left at any time, but they just kept fucking falling it until they were back. <laughs> Look, it's black out there. Yeah, right? It's confusing. Um, Worf. It's black and it's noiseless and there's no breeze. It probably feels a lot like being inside yeah, you're the revolving door. still in the, the revolving door. Worf, very sensibly, backs up before he starts to phaser the wall. Yep. Riker stands right where he was, much closer to the wall, and almost directly in the way of Worf's phaser beam. What's wrong with him? 
Yeah, he certainly doesn't treat that prop phaser like it was a real gun. <laughs> oh, um, fucking, uh, what's his name? Dorn is like, all right, and then I should probably like back up in case. That's what a guy would do. Then I'll, uh, yeah, but he's thinking about it. But oh, then I'll take it. Then I would take a step back. Doesn't take that cue at all. He just uh, nah. stands right there. Um, nah. <laughs> that guy brought a paperback novel on his trip out of the solar system. Hey, it's not clear that he was the one who brought that novel. Someone he doesn't did. seem to think much of it, someone but someone, a... someone on that thing brought a fucking paperback book on the trip out of this. You're right. They didn't have a fucking Kindle. They didn't have a Kimble. They couldn't find one anywhere. <laughs> um, these aliens used a real James Kirk approach to making this guy happy. Hey, this guy wasn't carrying this book for no reason. It must be a guide to humanity's preferred lifestyle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We haven't hit the episode of TNG yet, of TOS that this is most like, but... It's still coming. Yeah. Um, who do these writers think they are lampooning shitty crime novels? These guys couldn't yeah, write a novel. for sure. There's no way these guys could write a novel. By the way, we've seen what these guys think a pretty good one is in the form of Dixon Hill. <laughs> That's right. That they made up. It rained it hard in the city this. by the bay. <laughs> it, it didn't seem any better than this. No. I mean, I did like that policeman who's turned off by Beverly Crusher when she swallows that gum. So that was pretty fun. <laughs> I like that. Hey, uh, I'm not sure Data does know the rules of blackjack. This lady shows 13 in her hand, but Data says the odds are in her favor standing pat. Right. That can't uh, by be the right. dealer was showing a, By the way, dealer was showing a, a 10. Yeah, that, that can't be right. <laughs> right. That's not right. The highest odds are he's holding a 20, Is but Data that's fine. in league with the Texan? To bankrupt this chick? Listen, I thought about this for a long time. Now, I'm not a big blackjack player. The only thing I can assume is that this is single deck blackjack, and Data has been has counting, been cards, counting cards very well. Yeah. He, he, he he knows something. Acts like he doesn't know what that is when the Texan asks him straight up if he's been counting cards, but... He, he, like yes. unless you knew for sure that the only uh, that the only possibility was that the card the dealer had was a two, yeah, right. Any other card beats it. It's yeah, I I, I just went. Uh, am I looking at that right? So I just paused it. Now, yep, that's a ten and a three. Yeah, she is showing a thirteen. Um, when right, unless she's only the other possibility is she's only holding up two of her three cards. It doesn't make sense that that would happen. <laughs> maybe she's not smart. But enough. like, Data can see a six down on the. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. On the felt, right? And so, that's the other... So, listen. Maybe, and don't tor- that tor- It tormented me, for sure. Yeah. Um, when Riker says to Picard, I know how we're getting out. We're buying this place. I imagine Picard going, cool story. Uh, who are you winking at right now? Who are you smiling <laughs> yep. and winking at? I can tell you're doing <laughs> I, it, but, like, who are you smiling at, though? I can hear your shit-eating grin, but no one up here can see it. <laughs> uh, great Spiner. Um... Yeah, I had Best Actor Candidate Tex, who you named Worst Actor, and um, the moment was when he asks if it was personal, and it was because he didn't show Because I didn't show you my car. Yeah, that's a good scene. The problem with that is it doesn't make any sense, because Data does tell him, don't change your bet. Yeah. Uh, Yes, the guy is. And also, by the way, he's like, after 18 passes, the air gets a little thin up here. (laughs) No, dog, after 18 passes, you should know he's cheating. He's cheating like hell. He can't stop. He is a cheater. Yeah. You should stay on the side of the cheater. Yeah, it's all that guy's fault. He can't handle the loss. Anyway, that's it. That's is it because is it was it personal? Because I didn't, I didn't show, show you my, my car? car. He seems really broken up. <laughs> uh, that's all I got. That's it. That was enough. Yeah, more than enough. We have another episode, dude. We do. Um, Let's make it quick. Last week, last week the winner was Voyager. Yep. 
and that means that this week we watched Innocence. Innocence. A shuttle has crashed. And Tuvok says some words of comfort to a dying ensign before capturing a small child who runs out of some bushes. Mm. Tressa says her ship also crashed, killing her parents. Before signaling for two other... No, I'm sorry. She specifically says her parents are dead. I think that matters. <laughs> yep. Before signaling for two other children to emerge. Turns out Voyager is in this system looking for... A mineral. Yeah, I was doing And that. also making first contact with uh, with the aliens on the planet for which this is a moon. Yeah. Who definitely passed their health inspection. Because they wear hair nuts all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, they're also some sort of technophobes. They've, they've been one of these species where, like, they used to be real high tech. And now they've had a religious uprising or something. Yeah, they're going back to the old ways it's iran they're in iran <clears throat> sure the children meanwhile warn tuvok about a monster called the morok which takes you when you die and lives in the caves and comes at night uh and it lived in these woods and it hated the village yes it did the more the moral rock <laughs> yes um on the uh, Janeway's doing an ambassadorial tour, so she immediately takes these guys that she knows are technophobes to meet the computer man. Mm. But it turns out she called it right because n no one's too beat up about it. Instead, they're just like, oh, it's okay, buddy. Right. Your physical body's nothing. You got a soul. <laughs> That's right. I'm pretty sure of it. I've seen you now. So, at this point, Tuvok's heard enough about other children who have gone missing that he does start to look into this prospect with the three kids he's taken care of. Mm. But he's also sort of telling them to nut up and teaching them a bunch of Vulcan nonsense, yeah, like how to meditate and all that good stuff. Your bad emotions are a cloud that you can blow away with a breeze in your mind and stuff like that. Mm. Well, a shuttle shows up. And it's the Drayans. By the way, that's the name of these people. Yeah, not like Draylon, like the planet the Cisco gave away or whatever. But right, just not Draylon. it's not Draylon twelve or whatever that was. Draylon six. I don't remember uh, anymore. Who cares? This is Drayon. Who two. cares? This is Drayon. Um, and that scares uh, the kids. That scares the kids. It turns out that they've been sent there to die, hmm. according to these children. And so Tuvok helps them hide like 12 feet from the shuttle yeah very far <laughs> and in some pretty light cover right and the the story comes out that this moon is some kind of sacrifice location where children are sent to die oh, no. and they all have a little chat about faith and what dying means uh and tuvok decides he's gonna try to get him back up to voyager where they'll be safe because uh you shouldn't sacrifice little kids okay i think right yeah the princess wouldn't fuck a little kid i think um, at this point, Janeway has figured out, like, she's recalled all her shuttles because that's not happening. Yeah. The first contact is off with these guys. Yeah, they got weird. Janeway has recalled her shuttles, and uh, they figured out that Tuvok's missing, 
and they find where his shuttle's crashed, but they uh, they can't get the scanners to work right to beam him up. Mm. So they're working on that up there while Tuvok uh, has a little camp out with the kids and sings them to sleep and stuff like that. Mm. But in the morning, two of them kids are gone, though. They are gone. Yeah, for real gone. So he's just stuck with Tressa. And he goes looking in this cave, and he finds their clothes. And then he's he comes out and he doesn't tell her what he found in there. No. He's like, hey, I, I he's can't lie like, to you. They ain't in there. He's like, I ain't found the kids, though. Yeah, they so ain't in that. So here's the thing. We are going to leave. We have to go now. We do have to go. This is the point when he manages to make communi- make contact with Voyager. And now nobody understands what's happening. Mm, the Drans Jane- are really mad, too. The Drans are pissed because this is their sacred planet, yeah. which I guess corroborates the idea that this is where the children are being sacrificed. Mm-hmm. Janeway and Paris don't really want to upset them. Janeway doesn't, rather, but she is going down on a shuttle with Tom Paris, which is not great. Mm-hmm. She's hopeful for a diplomatic solution, even to the end, even after Tuvok t- manages to take off and everybody shoots at everybody else. Yeah, and it's a lot of shooting. They're all... Anyway, they're all forced to land, and for some reason, they do it right back at the cave. Just where they were. Just right where the fucking Morok is and everything. He just knows there's good cover ten feet away, just in case. And so Janeway and the the prelate, who's also kind of a Judy Greer. <laughs> You're seeing Judy uh, Greer's everywhere, man. <laughs> show up and join Tuvok and Tressa. Anyway, Tressa's a Benjamin Button. Yeah. And she's 96 years old, and she's a little bit confused. And yes, she has been sent here to die, but it's sort of an, like, she's just going to turn into energy or something. Right. She's, and it's going to happen to her no matter where she is. But this and is how they do it. Everyone in their species has, like, a a desire to come here, but at the end, they're pretty confused. Yeah, they're like, yeah, let's go to that moon. And they get there, and they go, what the fuck is this? And their shuttle, the shuttle that the kids were on, really did crash there, and they were being sent there with attendants who were supposed to help them yeah. through this process, but they died. And so that's why the kids were, like, all crazy, and that's why it's important that I said that the parents were dead, not that they were killed in the shuttle crash. Because right. uh, she remembered some stuff. And the prelate is like, it's a, look, it's all cool, Tressa. These idiots just age in reverse, and so this all seems very confusing to them. And then Tressa can like sort of remember what's happening at that yeah, point. And she like, tells oh, Tuvok that he reminds me. her of her grandson. Yeah. And then they, uh, and then the prelate is like, I don't know, maybe I can help. Maybe, maybe because they're all. This is also this is an Angel One situation where she's actually like kind of a reasonable person. Oh yeah, thank, after all the shooting, yeah. Thank fucking God, right? Well, even the shot was like a warning shot. But anyway, she's like, well, you know what? It's seen as honorable to attend when uh, one of our kids goes through this process. So Tuvok's going to stay behind and sit with her through the night until she becomes energy or whatever. And everyone else just fucks off end of show. Yes. What's this dang old episode about? Matthew. Take people at their word when they ask you to stay out of their business. (laughs) because <laughs> you might not have any idea what's happening, I guess. I mean, it's hard to crystallize that into a strong take, but that's what I, I mean. Have. I mean, don't butt into some shit is probably yeah. one take you can get from this. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's not a great take, but I also think they should listen to it. I gave it a four. Um, I'm, I guess I'm slightly more bully on this as a premise than you. Um, Tuvok basically says what this episode is to me. 
uh, when he's trying to tell her about the fucking Morok, mm. which, by the way, does not exist. That's fake. Uh, when he says that uh, knowledge is the antidote to fear. Oh. Like, yes, we're so we're afraid of what we don't understand, and knowledge is the cure for that. So, like, you have to go in there and learn that there's no Morok or whatever. And also, once they know what's going on here, it's like, oh, Both sides okay. are kind of a lot more chill. Yeah. Everyone's like, ah, all right, I got it. These guys didn't understand that you were not a kid. And uh, so, A, now they understand that. And also we understand why they would be acting like this, etc. We still don't really want anything to do with these guys. Probably makes sense not to have a lot of contact with outsiders. Yeah, given how this incident We're the only species in the universe that does this shit. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I think it's a knowledge is the antidote to fear, and oh, okay. that's fine. That's a five. That's it. It doesn't require a sci-fi take, but it probably if you don't do it in sci-fi, you probably have to do something pretty convoluted. Yeah. To get to get directly at that without getting at it without being a story about racism or xenophobia. Mm. Do you know what I mean? In which case, there's too much. It's a little fraught. Yeah. So. Uh, I think it's fine. I get a, a five. This is down the middle for me. I like that take better than mine, but I'm not going to adopt it. That's fine. Um, ben says, we fear what we do not understand. Right. Fine take. Not much there really gives it a five. So You guys are right on track. We're, we're kind of in lockstep with this. Um, in terms of execution, mm. didn't love when Tressa suddenly mentioned her grandson at the end. Mm. And I didn't think they did enough to layer in along the way that it this this could be these kids aging back. One hundred percent was not earned. It was not earned. That's the problem. That is it was a straight hun- flipsy moment when they go. Ha-ha! It was a full on twist, yeah. and it's like, mm. like I, I'm sure if you watch Sixth Sense after you know the twist, yeah, yeah. you notice stuff, right? Or I don't know. Probably Signs is probably much worse. I'm just trying to think of something we're known for twists, but like there's stuff. Shit, there was one recently. I don't know. Usually you hope that even after you know what the twist is, stuff makes sense. And you're like, oh, that's why that happened that way or why they said that specific thing. This is not. These uh, kids are kids. They ask him about his kids. Mm -hmm. It's just like they're kids until they're suddenly not kids. And then she does the grand father thing like, oh, or grandson thing of my grandson it's like oh shut up yeah yeah it's stupid then the other problem is how does it work like how do you give birth to a full-sized adult <laughs> there's a reason that kids start out really really small yeah like everything about the early years of human development is about having a baby small enough that you can push it through your hips. Yeah. It's important. Otherwise it get all stuck in there. Right. And that's a cranky situation. And it's, and <sighs> yeah. Uh, maybe it's pods. And then also, why didn't they say something about it? Yeah. Because they did the flipsy on us in like minute 51 or whatever. Right. So it, like a lot of it doesn't really make sense. That said, I am always happy to see uh, aliens that don't turn out to be just like crazy murderers or whatever. Right. So. Especially the xenophobes. And also, 
Janeway is always trying to do the right thing in this one. Mm-hmm. Which is the only good character trait she has. Yep. <laughs> so I like when they stick to it. So on the whole, I'm a, only a four on execution because this is, it's very clumsy what happens here. Yeah. But at least I'm as high as a four. What am I supposed ben, to Ben's a four also, by the way, which is fairly, he, I think he also likes how it humanizes Tuvok. Like, and I will say, uh, this is more in world building, of course, but like, I kind of liked his little Vulcan song. It felt Vulcan-y. Yeah, sure. I mean, we've seen Spork do some work. Yeah. We know they're musical people. Yep. Um, I was just going to say, what am I supposed to do with the twist in this episode? Uh, that's that's what really sucks about this episode. It's like it's a real old school sci-fi idea. We age backwards. The kind that you would come up with in 1962 and you wouldn't bother to give any extra thought about. It's impossible to take seriously or care about. Uh, Benjamin Button, by the way, is the first known instance of this trope, and it was written by F. Scott Fitzgerald, so it's pretty old. Yeah, uh, A lot of child actor torture for me, the viewer, that has a real shitty payoff. Um, this kind of reminds me of the one where Riker butts in because he falls for the androgynous lady. Yep. But, like, in this one, they aren't up to any particular bad stuff. They're just, like, a little oversensitive, I guess. And also, the androgynous lady is already part of a dissident community. Mm-hmm. Like, Riker is butting in. She goes on a commando for right? his personal reasons, but she is all like he does not convince her. Yeah, she's already part. She already has those feelings. She's already part of that mm-hmm. group, right? This is different. Yeah. Um, I guess it's a good message. Um, the thing that I came up with, um, that so, just because uh, people are private doesn't mean they're sinister. Yep. Um, but like the whole episode could have been drama free if those people just explained what was happening in the beginning. You know what a better so maybe version they should do that of, in the future. A better version of your take is when Liz Lemon turns Fred Armisen in to <laughs> Homeland Security. Yes. And it turns out he was practicing for the Amazing Race. <laughs> yes. I liked that a lot. Anything with Fred Armisen electrocuted his good. nuts, and now he has a tremendous hatred, and he wants to do something glorious with it. <laughs> um, otherwise, Tuvok, my favorite character, and child actors. Um, so I had a, I had it as a four. Okay, more or less locked up there. World building. Mm. They're looking for some kind of old deposits on a moon of Dreon 2. Um, I think they said what they were, but, like, who fucking cares? There's some kind something Pharah suggested some kind of iron, but, I, like, I polypharous. They're looking for poly, polypharide or something like that. Or something, yeah, yeah polypharonide. I don't know. Uh, but the, these fuckers can't stop fucking up mining missions. Like, can they just not do it anymore? Can they stop mining? Oh. Also, by the way, they started surveying for minerals before they made contact yeah, with these people. That does pretty aggressive, actually. That's an aggressive That's move. That's a Cardassian They sent move. shuttles down to what turned out to be their sacred place. That's a Cardassian move, 100%. Oh, definitely. Um, the warp core is designed to run for three years without refueling, whatever that means in this case. The fuel yeah. part. Um, Tuvok attempts to identify a ship flying overhead by its shield harmonics. Not its warp signature like we saw previously in Enterprise. Um, whether Vulcans have superior hearing or not, Tuvok says it's not because of their ear shape. 
Yes, I think we will think that they have excellent hearing, but it does make sense that it's not because of the long yes. points on their ears. That doesn't seem like it would be helpful. Vulcan loot tuned to a diatonic scale. Yep, five strings. Uh, and the big reveal, I guess, on this, these people straight up reverse age. Um, this was some real nitpicky stuff I added to. two. Uh, I think we're probably not too far apart. I have this as the standard three. Let's see if any of the rest of this is interesting to you. Okay. Pre-flight checks. All right. Uh, dielectric fields is, of course, nothing. How about he's going to try an emergency procedure that he knows is going to make that panel explode? <laughs> that's not, that's negative for building. <laughs> But I'm glad somebody knows the panel's going to explode because, like, they explode. I'm going to try an emergency procedure. Please step away from the panel. <laughs> He's the first guy ever to He's say fucking, that. These fucking things, man. First guy ever to tell somebody the good advice of going away from the panels. <laughs> Maybe they only tell like uh, kids. All of the walls of the shuttle are panels. Please sit in the center <laughs> of the shuttle. That's what I'm telling you. If shit ever started to go down in Star Trek, I would go to the very middle of the room and just there go. Are... I'm not going near anything. There are safety glasses in the kit. They may also explode, but it's less likely. <laughs> well, the, the lights that are pointing right at your eyes are going to explode, probably. Yeah, I mean, so basically for me, they need this fucking mineral. These people age in reverse. Mm. They do pre-flight shuttle checks, and Janeway doesn't care about them. Mm. Uh, yeah. Three might be a little generous. <laughs> yeah, I, did, I, I wasn't convinced. <laughs> All right, it's For one two. thing, I hated okay. a lot of what happened. So that's not some of that's not great. Ben has it as a oh, as a two. Yeah, another throwaway alien race. Yeah, for sure, we won't see these old uh, ones. Implication that a bunch of alien races have basically the same tech level as the Federation out in the Gamma Quadrant. Although that would that wouldn't make sense because not what they've run into voyager on its own is a power in this part of the yeah only the guys looking for organs seem to be better in certain ways so far uh ben also gives it a ben gives it a six for characterization by the way that's so many uh, he says tuvok loses the kids he's a horrible security officer and he discounts a credible threat and he sets up other work without setting up a perimeter. Oh, so you can see why he gave uh, it to somebody. By the points. way, he gave it a six. <laughs> yeah. um, but he says uh, humanizing Tuvok is a good idea, and it's sort of halfway credible. Even the very um, term is racist, humanizing him. It's true. Uh, talks about Tuvork's family a bit. <laughs> good. I and also refer to him as Tuvork in this. Janeway doesn't give two shits about the other culture's right to privacy. I think Janeway's in a bad position, and she mostly tries to be respectful. Yeah, she's like, frankly. hey, we need those deposits, and um, let's try to be nice to these people. After yeah. they send out all the survey parties and shit. Yeah, that's true. That does suck. Um, In terms of hey, characterization, up, I gave it a four. Okay. Um... Tim Russ is usually bad at playing a Vulcan, but I actually didn't hate him in this one. Okay. Um, I like Janeway as a diplomat better than, say, Janeway as an engineer. Okay. Yeah, I think that's what she's best at, is that kind of stuff. And no one else is really in it. It's not clear if Tuvok learned anything, though. Mm. So it's hard to award it a bunch of points. But again, the two people in it were playing sort of better versions of their usual characters. Okay. At least Tuvok didn't make those kids do laps. He only knows one way, man. Yeah. Oh, he. By the way, Tuvok is a 
cultural imperialist, right? Like he definitely tries to push the Vulcan mm, yeah. way on everybody. He's just like Kess with her powers. Told him to pray to God or whatever. Yeah. Right. He teaches them how to meditate Vulcan style and also expects them to behave like little Vulcans. Mm-hmm. Yes, 100%. So that's not a great aspect of his character. Yeah. But at least it gives him a handle on how to deal with these kids. And then what was he supposed to do? There was no Morok. The kids were going to turn into energy somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I give it a four. I think I said that. Yeah. Uh, two Vork has been around humans long enough to be of some comfort to the dying dude. Although I think he confused him. He might have confused him a little. He's like, uh, but what about what's her name? And he's like, wait, is she like way into me? Eh. Uh, he also aggressively takes responsibility for these feral children. I'm your dad now. You can't ride your bikes with your friends <laughs> until you've finished your science projects. Ask your mother. Um gives him a lot of that emotion control training. And Tuvok has begun to doubt that his uh, Katra will live on after his death. So Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I don't know when did this he started. Not, did he not learn about the events of Star Trek 3? He never read the novelization of Star Trek 3. So. Uh, I guess you have to put it in somebody. Like, I guess it's clear that it'll work if McCoy's around yeah, when you die. What if McCoy's the only vessel that it works in? He was yeah. still alive in TNG. I don't know if he's still kicking. He, he mean, this is... Season two of Voyager would be season nine yeah. of TNG. Yeah, he was already one thirty-seven so or something, right? One hundred and forty-six or thereabouts. That's tough, tough to imagine. He looked pretty rough yeah. in that episode. That might be as old as Tuvok. It's not clear how old he is. Right. Um, hey Chicote, did you have permission to give your Indian greeting? <laughs> yeah, but... or just thought you'd stick your nose in this business. Also, how does the Universal Translator know what to do with that? Yeah, it always is a... How come the... Again, as usual, the Universal yep. Translator knows that he intends yes. to say that in whichever of the languages he's supposed to speak. For the same reason it can parse the term more sultry, the computer is able to uh, <laughs> is able to figure out that he intends to speak his native language. So it doesn't just translate that into uh, take a step into the wind and then a jump to the right or whatever he says <laughs> yeah, it nope, means. No, it gives it in straight Indian talk. You remember in this show they still refer to them as just straight Indians. Um, that's fine. They can, listen, who, that's fine. Whatever. Uh, what is he supposed to be? Let me look that up. You look that up. I'll keep going here. Doctor got to talk to a lady. He didn't touch her feet or fall in love with her either. So he really should be proud. Kess is right. Well, Kess, Kess has been working with him. On yeah, she diplomacy. coached him. <laughs> um... Let's see, Janeway seems willing to let these people remain in isolation, but something tells me there's going to be a conflict that will make that impossible. Oh yeah, it's all the shit that happens on the moon. Um, we learned some new stuff about Tuvork's state of mind, but a lot of it wasn't very good. I also have it as a four. It's a four for me. Okay, I'll buy it. Doesn't appear that it's uh, super clear. Apparently, they're descended from the ancient rubber tree people. But yeah, he says that. He says that nonsense. Give me, um, give me them quick hitters. I'll make them while quick too. I allow Landrew to do some tallying. Okay, we are in it now. Straight up, dead crewman uh, before the uh, credits. Um, there's a lot of the word race that flies around in Star Trek. Tuvok says he's not a member of this girl's race. Should he say species? I wish he would. They all say race. Race is used right. euphemistically for species a lot in here, but it has a very specific connotation. Yeah. And most of the time when we see aliens in Star Trek, we are not meant to 
associate them by analogy with different races on earth usually it's something political or something else right there's they're always a stand-in for something yeah but it's not usually a straight race yeah um during the opening credits i lamented in my living room to nobody really i have to watch a tuvok episode why are you doing this to me and then I went. Mm. It's a bummer. It's always a bummer. <laughs> I, I sounded very, very. <laughs> uh, but on this show, there's it could have been a Harry Kim or yeah. a Tom Paris or a Chakotay. Oh my god! Like, Can Tuvok you imagine? is oh bad for sure. Can you imagine an episode with Harry Kim and some kids? Oh my god! <laughs> I might not be able to. I'm do desperately it. trying not to. Uh, the warp core is equipped with a compositor, according to Chakotay. <laughs> well, that makes sense. Um, How many giga quads does it have? <laughs> Uh, Voyager is really trying to um, piss their points away with this episode. This is late season. When do we get the good stuff? Listen, I hear what you're saying, but I will just give you a preview here okay. and tell you that this outscored Enterprise, their real competition, yeah. by 16 points this week. Enterprise was baffling. Yes. By the way, Enterprise outscored Enterprise from the previous week by one point. <laughs> They're so bad. <laughs> How bad was Precious Cargo Dude, that the so fucking bad. catwalk, which we both no-taked. Yeah, we no-taked it, but it didn't make it me... It scored one total point in the top half. Was a point better. It didn't make me angry the way last week's episode did. <laughs> yeah. Um, Tim Russ asked the producers if he could sing. But why? Like, bro, you ain't selling any records, even if you got pipes. Like, just let it go. Like, was he going to sell Old Yellow Eyes' That's back to That's what I'm saying. Like, what does he think going to happen? Like, no, you got to let me show off my talents. That way I'm definitely going to be, like, a big singer. No. What? Huh? No, this is it for You're, you. Yeah, you'll get to sing this time. Is that is that important? Uh, and he's saying those kids asleep in about 11 seconds. Oh, yeah. Man. They did fall immediately asleep. Um, then that's it. That's all I had for the quick ones. Tuvok has some kids, right? Yeah, uh, it turns out later they say he has four. Yeah. He shouldn't be this fish out of water with them. Yeah. These um, hairnet aliens mm. are instantly cooler to the Doctor than anyone on Voyager. They're just like, it's fine that you don't have a body. Who gives a shit? What's your name? Oh, Schmollis. You don't say. They didn't even say Schmollis. <laughs> He's just like, it's just Doctor. Just don't look into it. Don't worry about it. Uh, Tuvok has worked out some kind of loophole that allows him to love his kids. Good for him. He basically does the data he's, speech he's exactly about Tasha Yar. Yes. Yeah. He misses their uh, presence or whatever. And then I don't know why I felt like taking a shot at a really old episode of Enterprise, but I did write, always nice when they run into an alien race that aren't a total ass wipes who are like so offended that humans eat publicly that they storm off the ship. <laughs> I gave best actor in this one to Judy Greer, and I gave worst <laughs> actor to Pick Your Child. Yeah, they were all... Very bad. Pick a child, any child. So bad. Ugh. None of these were the kids from the fucking hollow play. No. Remember the one time we saw good child actors well, they, in they TV? They brought those kids back for another run, but then they're, they're gone. Yeah. I ain't seen them in a while. She ain't played the governess in a long time. Uh, and Ben says, I don't blame you kids. Tuvok singing would make me go unconscious too. <laughs> Maybe they were faking, so, so we'd stop. Uh, Landrew has done some sums. Oh, okay. Well, I like some sums. sums. That's the kind I understand. The kind of maths that I understand. In fifth place this week, mm. with thirteen. Fifth, points. fifth place sounds good. Out of how many? Out of a out of a possible eighty. Thirteen points out of a possible eighty. Oh, okay. 
We have the Catwalk from Enterprise. Yeah, they fucking suck, man. They're just bad. They're not coming in at fourth place this week with a pretty poor episode. We have TNG with the Royale. Did you notice that the Catwalk and Cat's Paw scored identical? Across Uh, the board. Identical? Oh, holy shit. 014867. Identical. 100%. Every score. Every score was the same. You and I scored identical in every single column between Cat's Paw and the Catwalk. Catwalk. That's a fun (laughs) coincidence. Also, 13 points is an extremely bad score. Very bad. Uh, But TNG um, trips on their own dick a little bit here with the Royale uh, with just 22 points. Only a two on premise, so not great there. Uh, Third place this week is uh, Voyager with Innocence. Mm. 29 points is... Well below the current average of thirty one point one six, so just I mean, above it's, Voyager's it's not, own it, average. It is just above Voyager's own average. So Voyager has been down in the dumps for a while. Yeah. Uh, this is actually slightly above average for Voyager, but bad for a Star Trek episode. Yeah, not terrible for a Star Trek episode, but bad. No, it really scored bad in world building. Everything else, it was fine. Yeah. Uh, coming in second place this week uh, is TOS with I Mud. Who would have thought? <laughs> It's a it's a diaper episode, but uh, actually I have it just below my average. I have a point below my average. You have it about a point above yours. Yeah. By the way, our average scores have really closed in. Yeah, last few weeks we've kind of um, been in sync. There's now only eight-tenths of a point between us from over a full point. Hmm. Um, and that means the winner this week with 36 points is Deep Space Nine Damn. with Profit and Loss. I had this as a slightly above average episode. You have this as a top 25% episode. Hmm, didn't really uh, and feel it that was way. Top, oh, wait, yeah, it did. Garrick. Top 10% in characterization. Garrick. And you know that's Garrick. Yeah. I wonder if that'll wear off at some point if we get to see him I'm in five I'm sure if we get enough of him, we'll be like, this is good Garrick and this is bad Garrick, yeah. et cetera, right? Yeah. Like, uh, this is not the best Gulducott. But for now, we'd be so pumped to see oh, Gulducott. God, if I could get some fucking Alemo in my life, that's all I need, dude. Make that a t shirt. Need some Alemo in my life. Uh, that is Deep Space Nine's fifth win. Okay. That's not so bad. Uh, so it now has more wins than Voyager and Enterprise put together. As it should. Um, in terms of scores, uh, TNG had pulled ahead after last week, and TOS has closed the gap so that now there is one point difference between the two. Yeah. Uh, Next Generation has 1,277 total points through 37 weeks for an average of 34.51. Uh, TOS has 1,276 for an average of 34.49. Yep. By comparison, Enterprise's average is 27.41, which is a full and seven falling. points below either of those. They're just, and falling. They can't stop falling. <laughs> yes, it's 20, 27.41 now. Uh, it's five episode average score though. Oh boy. Over the last five episodes, so from weeks thirty three through thirty seven, uh, its average score is sixteen point four. It's not good. That's so so. Yeah, their bad. average is twenty seven something. The last two weeks combined, they've scored twenty five. So, they're, yeah, uh, exactly. They're That's very bad. They fucked it big time. Um. Not much else to say. No well, uh, the original series still has sixteen wins. The next generation has twelve. Those are at the top. DS9's right in the middle, and then Voyager and Enterprise basically take your pick, although Voyager is sitting uh, almost 50, uh, 51 points above Enterprise. So, What's next week, terms man? Of score, What's next they're, week? They're Why do we do this, everybody? We, We're like three and a half hours into this. 
in week 38, you should watch. Wow. My angry cat. Uh, you should watch Metamorphosis. Okay. Time Squared. No, you're going to love to see Time Man, Squared. I'm going to have 20 pages of notes just on TNG. <laughs> we might have to do an extra hour on Time Squared. Fuck. Uh, we're watching Blood Oath, which has a an old Klingon oh, in the thumbnail. Core or whatever. So there could be something there. It's could core. be Core. Oh, yeah, it could be Core. Yeah. Uh, for Voyager, we're watching The Thaw. Mm, uh, the Thaw. Doesn't work for I don't remember it. And Enterprise Dawn. I'm guessing... It's going to happen at the, Dawn. It's going to happen at Dawn. Something important will happen at Dawn. Probably won't be that there's a character named Dawn. Anyway. All right. That's where we are for next week, week 38. Uh, you can uh, tweet at us at BrotherDate. You can write to us uh, anything you want at BrotherDate.com. Yeah, do the iTunes. You can do that. You can find us at BrotherDate.com. Good job out of you, man. Good, uh, Solid episode. Good work today. Yeah, and you too. I think we really crushed it. We did a good job. We, we're going to get in and out under three and a half hours, despite Clean. having a lot of notes. Clean three and a half. Clean three and a half. God, this is the stupidest thing. <laughs> this is just, it gets dumber every time we do it. I There's hate no every minute of watching these episodes, <laughs> even though... Except Garrick, I only like Even Garrick. though we get to watch iMud and I was excited to see Garrick. The, it's such a fucking chore to do this. That's a problem. But now, we're 37 yeah. weeks in. Yes. That's 189 hours uh, of Star Trek. I'm standing tall on the wings of my dreams and nothing's going to stop me now. Okay, so all right. So let's, let's complete this thing. Uh, next week we'll do a mailbag. We're not in the middle of any big projects. Yeah, there's no so zip or anything. It, it should be a real light, light, breezy week. Yeah. Here's hoping. All right, everybody. Good job. So long. Yeah. Sorry, Ryan. I know that this sounds. I realize now that this sounds <laughs> not, bad, this but Ryan was an Ryan. enlisted man and worked for a living, yeah. so it's a little different. This is not aimed at Ryan. This is specifically aimed at one of the towns. Anyway. Um, anyway. Please <laughs> <laughs> subscribe.